Good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. We move into full, full sort of football season gear this week after the Ravens did win a game yesterday. Obviously, it came at a price. We, uh, we know the bad news related to J.K. Dobbins. We are still waiting for more detail on other injured players. We will talk about that throughout the course of the day. A lot to do on the program today. In just a second, we are going to chat with the Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson, who, of course, was on the call yesterday for the Ravens opener on the Ravens Radio Network. Also this morning, our friend, oh, hello, our friend Aditi Kinkabwala from CBS, who worked yesterday's broadcast, will join us. And we'll catch up with our buddy Jeremy Kahn. That is all coming up. And the return of the Lamara meter. What? Mm, mm, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you. Just not right now. And it's uh, a Monday after a win, so we got to hand out some uh, pats on the ass today to boot. So lots to do on the program today. Today's show is brought to you by Superbook. Of course, use the code GlennClark23 in order to take advantage of this incredible offer. You go, you use that code, you make your deposit, and on the first day, same day, you make a bet up to $250, and Superbook will match your first bet with free bets, win or lose, up to 250 bucks. So it can be as much as $250, that first bet that you make same day after you make your deposit. Superbook.com. Download the Superbook app. Use the code GlennClark23. Ravens, as I mentioned, do indeed open the season with a win over the Texans. Not exactly the most aesthetically pleasing victory, but that doesn't matter. There are no style points in football. It's just wins. Joining us now to talk to us a little bit more about it, of course, Ravens Radio Network analyst and the Hall of Famer, the great Rod Woodson, is back with us here on GCR. Rod, it's Glenn. It's always good to catch up, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes this morning. Oh, my pleasure. What's going on? Everything is good, man. I mean, I, well, hang on. I say everything is good. Obviously, the J.K. Dobbins news is not good. I, and that and that's the tough part about talking about yesterday, right, is that, man, the J.K. Dobbins thing hurts in a way so much more than your average injury because of everything that young man has been through and you could sense in the Ravens' locker room yesterday that like, that impacted them almost in a way that felt like it was a little bit different than your average injury. Yeah, you know, uh, especially uh, recent events from, you know, previous year that he's injured, he doesn't play the whole year, he comes back, he, uh, you know, comes back last year, plays extremely, really, extremely well. Uh, a new system, everybody's excited. And, you know, first game out, and you had that type of injury again. So, I mean, it, it, you know, his story is just, man, it's so sad that he, 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 don't, he doesn't get the opportunity to show his wares to the masses. Uh, yeah. But I'm hoping he's well. I'm hoping he's, uh, he's in a good space mentally um uh you know his wounds will heal um i'm hoping that uh, right now though personally that he's in a good space mentally i think it's a really well thing I, I think a lot of people only think about that side of it and i to your point i can only imagine how frustrating how difficult and um i do hope that there is the right system around him to lift him up because um from a mental side of things i have no doubt that it's difficult 
Um, it, it, it feels almost trite to follow that up, Rob, by saying but the, the football games are going to continue, and that's the way that it works is they do. The issue that I've had is the Ravens the last couple of years when they've lost J.K. Dobbins, they have not been as good of a team without J.K. as they've been with him. Do you believe they have the ability, with what you've seen from Justice Hill, knowing what Gus Edwards is, to withstand this injury and given that the offense has changed also, and I think that's an important part of the conversation because in the past they were running the ball a lot more, to withstand losing J.K. Dobbins better than they have in the last couple of seasons? Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think the script is still being told about the offense and how they're going to play and how they're going to, what they're going to look like. I mean, obviously we can see in one week that, they're not going to be in a bunch of, you know, I mean, obviously they were in some 21, uh, they were in some 12, but that was at the end of the game. Uh, they did some 21, though, during a game, at the beginning of the game, which was uh, not normal in the National Football League. Uh, and 21 personnel for people listening is uh, two running backs, one tight end, two receivers, mm-hmm. which is, that's the old, that, that was happening when I was playing. So it's the old school way of playing. Right. But I think, I think if, uh, you know, I think is it are they more suited to to be successful even without that injury? Um, I think they are because they have so many weapons, especially in the receiving core. But you got to also remember, I mean, Gus is an outstanding player. You know, got Hill who came in and played extremely well. Uh, I think they're going to have Mitchell in a couple. You know, in three more weeks, he can come back on if he's healthy. Uh, that'll give you a different dynamic uh, type of running back. Um, uh, he can take it the distance. So I think they have those type of players. Uh, you know, we're going to get Mark back eventually. Uh, hopefully it's this week. Uh, yeah, so you have so many different weapons with OBJ and Zay Flowers and, uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar, all those guys who, who are coming in, who have come in this year to add to the dynamics of this new offense. Uh, I think to answer the question simply, yes, uh, I think they, they're better suited this year because it's not a 13 personnel, 12 personnel, you know, going to have 35 runs, 40 runs. Now, you still want to run the football, but I think they're better suited to withstand that type of injury this year comparable to the previous. The Hall of Famer, Rod Woodson, with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Rod, I, I wonder, from what we saw of this offense, I think everybody would agree it wasn't terribly sharp or, or crisp at all times during the course of the opener and I think it was easy for a lot of people to, to say hey this is what happens you have a quarterback who hasn't played in a while missed the you know the, the latter part of last season and then nobody participated in the preseason and there was a bit of rust and is it is is that simple enough are you able to say hey look we can be dismissive of this for one week and we can say, let's revisit this maybe three weeks down the road and see exactly where this offense is at this at that point. Yeah, I mean, just just think about any I mean, just human beings. So think about anybody not playing uh, full speed, and then you go out in your driveway and you try to either run or shoot basketball or hit a baseball. It, it takes a while to get back in that swing of things, right? Um, and, and so it's not unusual and you've seen it throughout the national football league just in the, the first couple of weeks how teams can th- sometimes struggle um but i think you know they made some plays we've seen what type of offense they're going to have uh, they're going to be a, a good offense 
Uh, and I think everything's keep on clicking. I mean, we, we saw uh, the connection with Zay Flowers. Yeah. We saw the connection with OBJ. Uh, you know, we saw connection with all those guys. And, you know, Bateman is healthy. So, I mean, they have the weapons. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch this team uh, get into rhythm. On the, uh, you know, also, of course, we have to say, hopefully, the Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum injury is not significant and everything's good there. That would go a long way. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, on the defensive side, I, I thought there were a lot of encouraging things, particularly, Rod, you know how concerned we've been about the depth at edge rush. I thought Owe had a great game yesterday, and I thought even Ajabo, clearly the strip sack, was notable. And even the way the inside linebackers, and look, we know how good Roquan Smith is at this point, but I, I don't know, somehow he even seems to raise his level from a level that was so absurd. How do we measure that versus, hey, this was the Houston Texans and a rookie quarterback and an offensive line that isn't thought of as being very good? How do we measure what we saw from those guys up front yesterday? Well, I just think you got to, you know, it's one game at a time, um, but they did play well. Uh, we had, we had, I think everybody had concerns about the, the depth of edge rusher. Uh, the Houston Texans were banged up and beat up at offensive line. Um, they also had concern about the cornerback position uh, and they played well. So I, I think collectively first game, they looked really well. Um, they, uh, you know, you get a win in the National Football League. You hold two, you hold a, a, a NFL offense to only nine points. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty good football. It's one of those, right? It's the eternal thing. You don't apologize for winning in the NFL, right? Like this is, yeah, yes. Have there been more perfect performances? People in San Francisco, I imagine, are waking up today, perhaps even more excited about things. But this is the way that it works. You won a football game. You did a lot of really good things, and you move forward and you try to get better in the coming weeks, right? Absolutely. How do you measure, like Rod, what you saw? And I mean, obviously, you were working a game, and I, I didn't get to watch any of it. But I think it would be easy to fall into a trap of. Hey, Cincinnati got their butts kicked yesterday. Maybe this game next week isn't as difficult as we thought it was. How dismissive do we have to be of, hey, that probably wasn't exactly we, – we should know better than to think that what the Bengals did yesterday is what the story of they're going to be as a team this season. Yeah, well, I think we, we can't take that first game well, with a grain of salt. Uh, you got to go out there and play every game uh, like it's a Super Bowl. Uh, you got to go out there and knowing that Cincinnati has a better football team than what they showed yesterday. We know uh, Burrow is not that type of quarterback. Uh, you got to think they're going to have a bounce back game. Uh, it's at it's in Cincinnati, so it's going to be one of those home openers that you know, they're going to have a lot of excitement. So and they want to they want to rebound. So it's you know they got to go out there and play really good football and that bitter taste in your mouth uh, for the Baltimore Ravens for losing you know, late last year to them. Um, it's, it's still there, um, and you can't forget that. All right, before I let you go, Rod, the Ravens yesterday were celebrating 25, uh, the 25th anniversary of the first season at M&T Bank Stadium. We saw so many guys back. I'm wondering for you, and it's, it's an interesting one because, like, this isn't like baseball where you can win a World Series at home, and the Ravens have never even played in an AFC championship game at home. But what's your all-time favorite moment at M&T Bank Stadium, Rod Woodson? Well, I mean, you know, you you think about uh, all the 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 times that for me personally, you know, especially being out of the game for so much longer, 
is just all the times that you were together with your brothers uh, on the field, in the locker room, competing together, uh, sharing those moments. And those are the moments that we remember and talk about uh, when we get together uh, in that like 25 year anniversary where all those guys are probably in the hallway. I, I, I wasn't able to be with them because yeah. I'm up in the booth, but to, you know, all those guys are talking about different things that they've done and what occurred in those games. That's the fun part about it. I was hoping that your answer selfishly was going to be that Jaguars game from the 2000 season, because I feel like for so many Ravens fans, like that was the moment But the irony, of course, being that like you would say, well, that was kind of one of our worst defensive performances of the season. But like, I feel like that was the moment for so many guys where it all became real. Like, oh no, we, we can do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, each individual game is, is an individual award when you can win. Um, and you, but you're always, always in the future. You know, we just had one game at a time mentality, so that helped us. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, Rod, I, I, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate it. It's great to catch up with you, man. I know you got a busy season ahead of you. Hopefully we can do it again down the road. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. Rod Woodson, of course, the Hall of Famer, Ravens Radio Network color analyst, hopping on with us to uh, kick off a Monday edition of GCR. And obviously so much of the conversation today and around town is built around those topics that we're discussing with Rod. And I attempted to write about it today at PressBoxOnline.com, and I felt the, the, the tenor of the column is about sort of the emptiness that you feel after a victory. And... I, I hate saying it that way, but it's hard to ignore it. And it's in part because, as football games go, this one was a giant meh. Sadly, if J.K. Dobbins hadn't gotten hurt, there would likely be not a single thing that you would remember about this game within a month. It was blech, as far as football games go. Now, if trends continue, right, if Zay Flowers continues to perform at a very high level, perhaps you'll remember, hey, you know, this started with a pretty significant breakout performance. Although, remember, Hollywood Brown started his career with an even better performance in his first career game. Not me saying that I think that Zay Flowers' ceiling is Hollywood Brown. I'm just, we, we always have to be careful to not get caught up in hyperbole. It's also measured by what we liked, and I talked about this. By the way, thanks to everybody who joined us for our first uh, Project Game Day postgame show of the season. Sort of still kind of feeling this out as we're doing things a little bit differently this year. We ended up having an all-star cast yesterday, as not only uh, Reed and I, of course, were with you, but it was great to have uh, Ken Zalis pop in and Andrew Stecka and our friend Josh Charles hopped on with us for a while, and you are able to, we had a couple people, we had some youngsters chime in yesterday, which was fun. Um, we're going to be doing this all season long, and we're doing it via Zoom purposely to allow you to get involved, to allow you to just be able to hop on, click the link, and join us right there in the room for the Project Game Day postgame show brought to you by Superbook Sports and HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. We will be back um, six days from now, this coming Sunday. We will be back with you, and hopefully still have a few more special guest announcements to make about what the future of Project Game Day will hold as we're working on finalizing some of those details. But it's still a work in progress, but I love the foundation that we started with yesterday. We had a lot of fun. Uh, hope that you'll join us throughout the course of the season. 
Uh, you can always watch the show, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. But I, I bring it up because it came up during the course of yesterday. We were doing the Project Game Day postgame show, and these things that we're discussing about the nature of the football game, and while I'm feeling so empty, I, it was brought up, hey, it was cool to see that the Ravens, for the first time ever, I know our buddy KZ always has yelled about it for years. KZ has yelled about, hey, maybe just draw a play up to get the ball in a playmaker's hands. Maybe don't overthink it. And we saw lots of that, obviously, yesterday with Zay Flowers. In fact, we probably saw too much of it. <laughs> At a certain point in the game, it felt like, ah, that's all we're doing today, huh? It's just throwing the ball in the flat to Zay Flowers. Even though it's third and goal from... Where was that? The 13 or whatever? I mean, it was... Yeah. Well... Is that what we're doing? <laughs> is that is that the play? And again, you could say, hey, they had the game in control and they didn't want to risk anything going haywire or whatever, but it seemed like a a limited version of the offense. Like, it was a, it was a positive and then it was a negative. I, I... There was a minimal amount of downfield throws. How much of that was... Guys simply weren't open. We saw on the interception, CBS showed us nobody was open. He could have attempted to throw it to the back corner of the end zone. I don't remember who the receiver was on the right that had like maybe a half of a step, and you could have tried to lay it out to the back corner of the end zone there. You certainly – I am not giving Lamar Jackson pass. It was an atrocious interception. It was a flatly inexcusable interception. I don't care if you've missed three years of football. You can't make that throw. That's insane. you got to take your sack and, and learn to live for another day. Take your three points and move on. Um, so no defense of that pick. It was god-awful. But as was pointed out on the broadcast, nobody was open. So figuring out the route concepts, figuring out a lot of those things still to hopefully to come. And from a pure football standpoint, it, I, I can't say anything strongly one way or another. These are the things I just brought up with Rod, right? Like, on the, on the negative side, the offense wasn't crisp. But we all know. First game, we all spent the entirety, and we say we all, a lot of us spent the entirety of August saying, Hey, the pendulum might need to swing from the Ravens to the offensive side of the ball, but at the same time, it's a lot of pieces coming together. New offense, new system, new language, quarterback who is coming off an injury, two receivers who are coming off a serious injury, the other one being a rookie. Your tight end is still injured. Now you're adding in your top running back being injured after he had missed most of training camp to begin with. We should have expected that it was going to take some time and we needed to have some patience, some grace with getting the offense to the level that it needs to be at. So we can, the results yesterday are mitigated by that. Yes, it didn't look good. It wasn't pretty, but it's mitigated by those circumstances. On the flip side, you would say it was encouraging. Adafi Owe played really well yesterday. Obviously, Roquan, I mean, I don't want to give anything away. We'll get the pats on the ass, but Roquan Smith was the best player on the field by a lot. But that's not surprising. Roquan Smith's really good. Patrick Queen was great again yesterday. Looks like a guy who's shaping up to get paid. 
Unfortunately, probably, probably not, not in here. Baltimore because that's probably the reality of the circumstances, although we do know that the Ravens like to try to keep their own around, so I'm not I'm not willing to say it's impossible, but it seems unlikely. It seems like he's pricing himself to a level that the Ravens simply won't be able to go to, particularly given what they've already paid Roquan Smith. David Ajabo, it, well, I don't think David Ajabo had a great game necessarily, but making an impact play is definitely a sign of what this defense desperately needs. All of those things are good things. To Rod's point, the secondary, I don't even know how to judge the secondary, right. man. I don't even want to have a conversation about it. You could say on paper the secondary held up. I like it was but, the Texans. But that's the point. The right. point about all of it is the things that you would say are positives are mitigated by the opponent. So the negatives are mitigated by the circumstances. The positives are mitigated by the opponent. So you end up with this like zero-sum game where essentially nothing happened other than the one thing. And that play goes back to why there's such an empty feeling. It's such an empty feeling because at the end of the day, the story of this game is that J.K. Dobbins got hurt. And other guys and other did guys, too. Yeah, you're you're hoping... Uh, the Marcus Williams news at first appeared to be dreadful. Now it's starting to, starting to seem like maybe it's not quite as bad as everybody thought. It might not be a torn peck. Um, he doesn't think it's a torn peck. And we'll talk to... Uh, actually, Dr. David Chow, our friend, is going to join us a little bit later on. We'll try to let him explain what the differences would be here and what this actually could be with Marcus Williams if it's not a torn peck. Um, and we, we'll need updates today. Both Ronnie Stanley and Tyler Linderbaum need MRIs. Some of the, the initial reports, and Ronnie Stanley was right back on the sideline, appeared to be jovial, so you hope that's a good thing. It just it, it, It's weird how, I guess, uh, eerie similar this game feels to like last year. Like it was a little kind of cloudy, rainy weather. And, well, let's add on to the equi- – And the injuries. One of the, like, the storylines that we just decided not to talk about this offseason, and I get it, this got in the way. And so irony that, that today's the day it's coming back. One of the things I, I kept bringing up is we all it, – it should have been scandalous – for this organization, the F-minus grade that they received yeah, for their strength staff. Yeah. That yep, should have that been was... a, a major off-season storyline. And the number of times that I would quietly, or not even quietly, but just sort of bring up the, huh, are we just not going to talk about how it it was treated as the the worst strength staff, not just in football, but in the history of football, and when you moved on from the coach, all you did was replace from within? All you did was just bump the next guy up? Do, do we have any amount of certainty that anything actually changed? This is the... It felt... It felt like there was an investigation that needed to be done there that admittedly somebody would say, well, why don't you do it? Well, that's not my job anymore. Unfortunately, that's not... To the point, I would like to have those answers, and today I'm certainly thinking about it again. But the thing that we kept saying was, was it message or messenger? Because the messenger is gone in Steve Saunders, but was Steve Saunders the one creating the message, or was he simply the one 
passing along the message. Because if the message is still coming from the top, if somebody else is just carrying out the code red, then the code red still exists, even if the messenger is gone. And again, that sounds nebulous. It sounds like I'm being purposefully vague. But I think you understand. If the system, the strength system that's in place from the top of the football command in Baltimore, which would be from John Harbaugh, who we know is a bit of a hard ass when it comes to this stuff. If he internally said, look, if everybody hates Steve Saunders and we got to make somebody the scapegoat, fine, we'll do it. But we're not changing the way that we do things around here. We're just going to take the next guy and say, your job is to still run things the way that I want them. Well, then, has anything actually improved? We kind of all agreed to stop talking about it just because Steve Saunders was gone. But do we have any actual knowledge that this system, which, again, the players said was the worst by far that they have experienced in football for an organization that otherwise is thought of quite well by the players that are involved. But this thing, the players themselves said, is unacceptable. Did anything actually change? Did the message, did the philosophy change at all? Or will there be more guys who say, nah, it's the same S and it's the reason why we're all getting hurt? Will there be another Derek Wolf next year who speaks loudly about it? Will there be more guys who don't trust the team because of it? Look, Odell Beckham's come in and said glowing things about the Baltimore Ravens. But went on Rich Eisen and said, you know, what a professional operation you run around World here. World class. World class. World class. But I, I don't know. I don't know about this. And you couldn't help but think about it during the course of the day. But the, the Dobbins thing is so much more than that mm-hmm. in particular because the Dobbins thing touches on kind of every layer of it. It does touch on the his distrust with the organization, which seemed fair given the, the surgery situation, given, I'm sure, how his feelings were about the Steve Saunders-led strength staff, given the bigger picture for running backs throughout the NFL, I have no doubt that there was an amount of distrust felt by J.K. Dobbins. We all said, you know, well, look, this is a dumb holdout because it's not going to change anything. He's not going to get paid until he goes and performs. But J.K. Dobbins knew in his mind, one, there's a possibility that if I perform, I don't get paid anyway. See, did y'all read Jonathan Taylor's tweet? Like, we, it's the most prescient thing that a football player has said all year. The league is openly telling you what they're willing to do. They are devaluing a position that they are drafting in the first round anyway because they are going to greater lengths to devalue it. Devaluing to the point that we want to make sure we can get up to seven years and never have to pay someone a second contract. They are openly telling you what they're doing. Nakedly, almost shamefully, And J.K. Dobbins had to say, and I got to risk further injury going out there for a team that might not pay me even if I have a great season. And now here we are. 
And it's a it's an empathy versus sympathy lesson because like no, it's sympathy is the wrong thing. Outside of you never want anyone to have to feel mm-hmm. pain, of course. Like it's any human feeling pain you feel bad for. If you walk by and you know, as you were walking down the street one day, you saw someone's leg give out, you'd feel an amount of sympathy for that. But like it, it's not sympathy is reserved for people with cancer. J.K. Dobbins has made $5 million playing football and probably more money than that. Sympathy is not the actual correct thing, but it's empathy. It's empathy for everything, all of the levels of this circumstance. J.K. Dobbins hasn't had a normal season in the NFL, and he's four years in. His rookie season, when he played well, was in the midst of a global pandemic. He didn't have to get to have his friends, his family come out to games and enjoy his performance. And then since then, he's been clouded with injury. It's not sympathy, because again, I, I, J.K. Dobbins probably has a pretty nice car. But it's empathy. It's unreal what this human has been through to start his NFL career. It's, And this is probably going to be a career derailing injury like derailing for sure I, yeah. I it's it's unfair to say ending as right. john harbaugh pointed out he's still young and who knows somebody will give him an opportunity moving forward it's not like everybody will just immediately say well, we'll never we'll never let you come into training camp ever again somebody but yes it definitely will impact his ability to find work uh, consistent work mm-hmm. find a have a team that's willing to commit to him as being a starting player in the NFL next season. There's no doubt about that. It's awful. Everything about it is awful for J.K. Dobbins. And you could sense that his teammates knew that. And that's why the reaction yesterday from guys like Patrick Queen, it didn't feel like talking about another player who was injured and saying, all right, well, you know, next man up and we love him. It felt like they understood the gravity of all of it. And it just felt different than any other season-ending injury that the Ravens have dealt with in recent years. Which doesn't mean it's more or less impactful. It felt like the human element of it, the what does this mean for JK, what does this mean for our friend, what does this mean for our teammate, was overwhelming for the guys that know him and care about him. And have watched what he's been through and... It was gut-wrenching for them. Does that change what happens next week against the Bengals? I don't think so. I don't think this drags on, and guys are they are mentally not ready. I appreciate what Rod Woodson said about hoping that J.K. has the right support around him from a mental health standpoint, because I can't fathom what this does, the totality of this does to someone like J.K. It is cruel. It is inequitable. It is not right. So I do hope that's the case. From the, but there's still going to be football games played standpoint, as I brought up with Rod Woodson, the question is, will the Ravens be in a better position to overcome the loss of J.K. Dobbins than they've been for the last two years? And from a personnel standpoint, I don't feel that. From a scheme standpoint, maybe, Mm -hmm. right? Like from the... It, it was interesting to see, as we talked about on the, the post-game show yesterday, Project Game Day post-game, Gus Edwards was not the number two back yesterday. Justice Hill was the number two back going into that game. 
which feels like it's a skill set thing. It's a Justice Hill skill set is better replicates what J.K. Dobbins' skill set is. And it feels like that's going to be the way this looks. I'm going to guess, and we'll talk about it tomorrow when um, we do Waiver Wire Wednesday with Joe Serpico, but I think if you're a J.K. Dobbins owner, you might have tried to handcuff with Gus Edwards, and ultimately Mm -hmm. the the handcuff might have needed to be Justice Hill, and you might be scrambling on your waiver wire. Or maybe it's Melvin Gordon. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Melvin mm. Gordon becomes the primary. I think that's ins- – by the way, if that's the, the case, they- if if Melvin Gordon wasn't good enough to make this football team and is suddenly going to be the primary back, that's insanity. That's, 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 fair. that's fair. bonkers if that's the case. It, it speaks to either terrible decision-making because anybody could just picked up Melvin Gordon that wanted him. They knew he wanted to come back. I guess is there were rumors that he had yeah. other offers and decided to stay on the practice squad. Um, I, 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 how bad the other options are. Why were these other guys on the team then? Like, were you just? It's insane to me that the answer might be Melvin Gordon. The answer appears to be that Justice Hill is going to get the first crack to take on a bigger workload, and we can roll our eyes about it and we can say Justice Hill's a special teams player. Like that's fine, but. It appears to be that the Ravens think that he's the guy that could handle that type of role in a Todd Munkin offense, and we'll see. Are they in a better position to withstand the injury? I don't think so. Look, we can do the Jonathan Taylor conversation if you want. I don't think that there's any world where it's happening. I mean, they want to. They want to. Well, but that's not going to. The Colts. The Colts asking price is almost irrelevant to talk about because it's absurd. They're not going to get that. So at some point, they're going to have to decide whether or not they just want to continue to, to employ someone who's going to sit out and not play for them or whether they're willing to take what's actually on the market in a trade because what they want is never going to occur. Th- they know because they know why they're devaluing Jonathan Taylor. They, it's utter insanity that they think the conversation could even begin there. At some point... Mid-round picks will be the conversation with Jonathan Taylor, and the question will be whether or not the Colts, whether someone can get a hold of the owner of the Indianapolis Colts and say, get a grip. I don't think anyone can. And it's a fair, look, man, it just might be that this dude ends up sitting out the season because the owner of the Colts is so detached from reality that there's no coming back from it. But either that will happen, and then at that point the question is, I would think there would be a robust market for Jonathan Taylor if trade talks come into reality. I absolutely think that the Miami Dolphins would be involved in that conversation, despite the fact they look quite good offensively in their first game. I absolutely believe that the you know Kansas City Chiefs would be involved in that conversation at that point. They seem to be I, another, another position. What's that? They, they a wide, to, receiver? Yeah, wide receiver? I hear you, but I mean, like they could use basically everything. Yeah. They have a quarterback and a tight end. Well, maybe a tight end. Okay, he missed a game. Let's not go over. He better come back. All right, easy over there. <laughs> easy. I don't think it's personal. I think the Eagles could get involved in that conversation. I think there's lots of teams that could get involved in the Jonathan Taylor conversation if it comes to a place of reality. And could the Ravens? Maybe. I, I, I don't think they're inclined to give up their picks. I also think that they've got a few weeks to try to see what this looks like to figure out if that's going to end up being something that's interesting to them. But the scheme is the part that will be more more of the story to me as to whether the Ravens are in a better place to withstand losing J.K. Dobbins than they've been the last couple of seasons. Can they scheme their way through missing uh, such a key part of their offense? Remains to be seen.
All right. We really do have a lot to do today. Didi Kinkabwala is going to join us. Dr. David Chow is going to join us. We got to get the picks uh, recap. Pat's on the ass. Jeremy's going to join us. I want to bring back the Lamar meter. Lamometer. I guess we're doing a four-hour show today. I guess it's the Jeez. way it's going to go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what our other options are. We're doing four hours right, today. Hope good. you don't have any other plans. And then after we're finished, uh, then we'll let uh, Stan and Ross and Luke hop on and talk baseball at, uh, I think, about 4 o'clock today. So we're going Facebook to <laughs> Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Uh, obviously, quite it's one thing when Jack Flaherty gets his ass kicked because you're like, eh, he's not really part of the plans. And in the moment, we were thinking he could be the guy that could go for John Means. Instead, it's Cole Irvin who's going to go for John Means. And... Then it's another thing when Grayson Rodriguez yeah. is getting his ass kicked because he's supposed to be part of the plans at this point, and the last two starts have now been shaky. You know, this one much worse than the last one. It's a whole different world. I get it. The Red Sox lineup, it's unbelievable how bad the Red Sox are with that lineup. Like, it's crazy to me how bad they are with that lineup. Stan, Luke, Ross, they'll be talking about the return of John Means today as he'll make his uh, season debut tomorrow against the Cardinals. They'll talk about that. Coming up a little bit later on this afternoon, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Aditi Kinkabwala joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easier. Pick the plan that's right for you at DriveEZMD.com. We'll keep you moving. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Ties Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 The Fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Ties Bowser Show. A partnership of Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Gambling problem? Visit HelpMyGamblingProblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 12th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Harford Road. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. 
quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland open. Sure, Glenn may be in his 40s now, but he looks just as good as he ever has, and he's still as sharp as he ever was. And I say both those things without even a shred of irony. Find out for yourself right now by watching the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. All right, back in here on GCR, and I, I will point out that over my shoulder, you see the Lamar meter. It is coming back. If you missed it last night, I shared it on Twitter. The new setup for the Lamar meter is to answer this question. What is the percentage chance that Lamar Jackson will win a Super Bowl during his five-year contract to the Baltimore Ravens? That's the setup now. And I asked some of you guys last night to share with me what you thought the number should be. I will tell you, and we're going to only do it once a week. After games this season, we'll move the needle. Percentage chance that Lamar Jackson will win a Super Bowl during the life of his contract with the Baltimore Ravens, this current contract. So we'll get to that this morning here on GCR, the return of the Lamar meter. All right, uh, great always to catch up with uh, a friend of mine, someone who I uh, care about uh, quite a great bit here in this business. She, of course, was working uh, the sidelines yesterday for CBS's coverage of Ravens-Texans. It's always a pleasure to welcome back our friend Aditi Kinkabwala to the program. Aditi, it is Glenn. It's always good to talk to you, friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. It's so fun to talk to you. You know what I was just thinking about? We... When we first met, neither of us had any children. That's true. Neither of us is married, I don't think. I mean, I wasn't married. I don't know if you were I married. I think I was not but quite. Like, think I think you're right. Come. Wow. I got married in 14. I mean, 2012. We met, we met That's in right. 2012. And I got married in 14. So you're right. I wasn't married I got yet. married in 13. How about so. that? Look at how life's changed. Oh, I my. know, but you know what? It's just like we need to lean in to being the old people now. I, That's where all the experience Ad, comes Aditi, from, right? Aditi, my 40th birthday was last Wednesday. Um, and I Happy belated birthday. Thank you, thank you, friend. I appreciate that. I, like, every, all year people were asking me, like, hey, does it strike you in any way? And I was like, not at all. Like, it's just a, you know, it's a number, right? Like, I don't feel any different. And then, like, two weeks before my birthday, I looked in the mirror, and I have this patch of gray hair. And then I got a haircut this summer, and I noticed that my hairline was receding a bit. And I said, oh, oh, I really am 40. Like, that's really something that's happening in my life. Things are very I different. I don't know that that's 40. I uh, mean, I... I don't know. I have crossed 40, and... Uh, the whites and grays have fortunately stayed at bay, but oh. the wrinkles, my goodness. I'm, 
I have a daily argument with my husband about Botox. He's totally against it, and I feel like it's something that I need to be doing. Okay, okay this is an interesting... Oh, God, we have so many other things we need to talk about, but this <laughs> I know. conversation... I know, you really want to talk about Odell and say flowers right? and Lamar, and here we are talking about Botox. But wait a second, Aditi, at some point. because I don't know how that conversation goes, because here's what... I, I will straight up. I, 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 you, I've talked... I don't think you've ever met my wife, but I've talked to you about my wife plenty over the years, and I... There is a particular type of surgery that Mrs. Clark has talked to me about wanting to get. Um, I, I'll, okay. a, a, a breast augmentation, right? Like she's had two kids. Oh, she's okay. like, yep. and every time she brings it up with me, my answer is the exact same. I can't answer this. I can't. There's nothing I can say here. If I say yes, then it sounds like I'm saying you're not good enough. If I say no, then I'm not being supportive of you. So I, I don't have any ability to say anything in response because I feel like it's going to be weaponized against me. And yet your husband is willing to talk about it. I don't know how he does that. I am not comfortable having that conversation. Well, no, no, no. He's not willing to talk about it. Okay. All he says is don't do it. No, that's oh. ridiculous. No, oh, that's... you are not getting Botox. But yeah. I think that this is because he thinks it's a gateway drug. Like, I think he thinks I'll get one shot of Botox in between my eyebrows and then all of a sudden turn into, you'll look completely different. Yeah, you'll be you'll be completely unrecognizable. Everybody like what happened to it? Again, not a gateway drug. It's just handling a few wrinkles because I'm in a funny industry. But anyway, in a different world, right along. But I can I can be supportive in this case. I can I can support you with my wife. I can't say anything. Whatever, baby, whatever you want to do, baby. I love you. I don't know that your listeners are interested I in my trouble right, right there. All right, all right. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson instead in this new look offense and uh, this poor Ravens source. So snake pit. Are oh, you snake pit? That's the tough, toughest part about this conversation, Aditi, is like, I, the, you know, you deal with a lot of injuries. And I think, you, and I'm sure you sense this in talking to the guys after the game. Like a lot of times you, you, somebody goes down and it's a bummer and you hate it. But like you just say, all right, well, you know, this is the way it goes. Next man up. Given everything right. that J.K. Dobbins has been through, I sensed an additional level of emotion from those. Like, it felt crushing oh, 100%. in a way that yeah. other injuries haven't felt because everybody knows, you know, his history. with J.K. Dobbins hasn't had a normal NFL season yet. He's four years in. His first Ooh. season was during a pandemic. He couldn't have his friends and family come yep. out. And then every season since then, he has been dealing with injuries. It's it's gutting and i get it jk dobbins has a good life and he's made money and it's not you know like the sympathy empathy thing it's a fine line between those two things but from an empathetic level it it is so unfair and cruel what this young man has been through in his football career i mean that's the nature of this right and i think that that's part of yesterday was it was a nice tough win where there was a ton to learn from you know, there was a lot of sloppiness. There was, as Lamar called it to me, rustiness, the penalties, you know, all of that. Getting those things out of the way and still coming away with a win that was not just a cakewalk. Because let me tell you, this Texans team is completely different than the Texans team I covered last year. Mm. So all of that is positive, but it almost felt post-game not like a win. Yep. And yep. that's, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Marcus Williams, Ronnie Stanley, like just... Guy, and after the last few years where, again, using that same word, where it feels like the Ravens have just had the worst luck and have been snake bit. And you know that this has nothing to do with how they train or how they condition or how they work out or any of that. These are all just bad, bad luck things. 
it's just hard. It's hard. I, I hate it. You when know, s- like I wanted to CBS on the broadcast post game. We wanted to talk to, um, we wanted to talk to both Lamar and OBJ. And yeah, I know that OBJ had two catches, but he drew those two huge pass interference. Yep. Yep. He came back after 574 days off. The crowd gave him a standing ovation and chanted his name. His coach and his general manager have both said that in a lot of ways, his signing was kind of a catalyst for Lamar to really see that they were serious for other players to really see how serious they were, the energy that he's brought to that locker room, all of that. And again, it's an achievement to come back after 574 days, the same way we're talking about J.K. Dobbins working so hard to come back. OBJ worked that hard and is in a different place. And it was just no, 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 because no one was in a good mood yesterday. Yeah. It wasn't OBJ saying no. It was just the Ravens being like, you can have Lamar and that's it. It's, it was tough. I mean, it's, no one was in a celebratory mood. Not at all. what I mean by saying that. Not at, and I think everybody also knows the other circumstances, too. And I think that's what makes it so difficult, Aditi, is like this, I keep going back to that Jonathan Taylor tweet from the summer. And I, I understand everything that every single running back is feeling right now, which is I don't know how I can trust you. I you can tell me that right. you got to go out and play in order to earn a contract, but I, I think that I might go out and play and you still might not give me a contract and I'm right. at risk of getting hurt in the process. And right. I right. I think that the, every single one of these players is aware of what's going on with the running backs, and I think it all compounds what was already a brutal situation. Oh, it's just, God, it's retching. It sucks. And you can't play thinking about two weeks or 16 weeks or two years from now, you have to play yep. in the moment. It's yep. just like us, right? Like we can't get on the radio or get on TV and be like, Oh my gosh, well, am I going to have the next opportunity? You right. just have to own the day, but it's so hard to do that in that profession when you feel as if there's a timeline. Aditi Kinkabwala is with us here on GCR. Aditi, I, I feel like, you know, separating from that, it, it wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing football game, right? Like it was a slog. And I think it's easy to say, hey, that's the way that it works, and this is week one, and you have a bunch of, of moving parts, guys that didn't play in the preseason, guys that were hurt. You bring up o, uh, Odell Beckham, a new piece, Lamar Jackson, shaking off rust. I, I feel like the easiest thing to say is you don't, they won the football game, you never apologize for that, and it's not worth overreacting to it until we get maybe three or four weeks into the season and we see if any of these things continue as trends. Yeah, correct. You would be right. Okay. Well, look at that. Then we can move. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to add to that? I don't, you said it perfectly well. It's week one. Every week one game. You know, it's funny because I was talking about this with one of my fellow sideline reporters at CBS about just, you know, get she's with a new crew. I'm with a partially new crew. I had a fill-in producer. And so it's just kind of like the pace of, getting in or not. And she was like, it was kind of a wacky game. And I said, you know, ours too, because there were just a lot of penalties. There wasn't really, you know, like the Texans had an extended almost nine minute drive at one point, Mm -hmm. but it was just odd what the plays were in terms of like when you could get in and get into a conversational thread of some kind. And there wasn't, I don't know. It just, it was odd. And so like we were saying that's week one though. Week one, you kind of do expect penalties. Week one, you kind of do expect some communication issues. Week one, there is some sloppiness. Week one, there's always bad tackling, you know? So all of that sort of gets sorted out. And, you know, fortunately for the Ravens, that got sorted out against a team that's still, you know, young and trying to figure it out. And they were able to come up with a win despite a not great effort. Look at the Steelers. They had to play a team that... 
ostensibly a Super Bowl favorite or, mm-hmm. you know, a Super Bowl contender. And they struggled and got their butts whooped. Yeah, demolished. Demo- it was stunning, honestly. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't happen in Pittsburgh. The Bengals, right, yeah. the Bengals against yeah. the New York Browns had yep. no margin of error. Yep. No margin of error. So in that sense, you know, like you'd always much rather kind of go through all of that. I mean, duh, obviously you play this game for one reason and that's to win. So great. But like how fortunate to be able to have the W and still have your coaches come down on you. I I feel like on the flip side, a lot of people would be wanting to dismiss because on on the defensive side, I think there are a lot of encouraging things. Didi, you know that there's been great concern about the Ravens edge rush depth coming into this year. And I thought Adafi Owe looked great yesterday. Like, I thought as far as a complete football game is concerned, he clearly had that moment against the Chiefs a couple years ago. But I thought that was his most complete football game that we have seen from him Well, as a and, pro. you know, Mike McDonald, yeah, the Ravens defensive coordinator told us that Odafe had just a phenomenal camp. And yeah. he said that what the coaches had told him is just stop worrying about the sacks and the numbers and the things that people put in your head and say are a metric and just do the things that we're asking you to do. And he was like, to Odafe's credit, he 100% has, and he's seeing it, seeing the benefit or the results or the product of that by the way that he's playing. And he said he's just absolutely killed it in camp. Ojabo, of course, is a little bit more up and down, but yep. you would expect that, right? Because yep. like, who's, you're, not, you're never 100%. It ta- it's a long recovery, after it's like his third career NFL game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there's that piece of it, of course. But the depth piece, I mean, that's a very valid point because both of those guys are kind of on the lighter side, you know, like they play with quickness mm-hmm. and they're, you know, relatively speaking, leaner. So ideally you want to be able to keep them fresh. And it would be nice if you can roll some guys a little bit, or if not, I mean, you just got to get out, get out on third down. And that one Texans drive that I was talking about, you've got a rookie quarterback completing three third down conversions or making yep. three third down conversions. That's not helping. Nope. No, not at all. You've got linebackers like that, right? But but to the point, I feel like there would be encouraging things to say, and then there would be the, you know, the the the, the urge to suggest, well, yeah, but it was against the Texans. And and what you said earlier, I do think matters, is that. You... I mean, and I said this on the broadcast, Glenn. I don't know if you heard it or not, but look, I had multiple Texans games last year, yeah. and every team wants to tell you how excited they are and how there's new energy in the building and there's this. But D'Amico Ryans is a former Texans draft pick. He's a former Texans captain. When he was when he was playing in Houston, there was this is like so classic. I'm on the radio, and my husband decides that like that's the moment he needs to run a blender, right? Well, like, look, I mean, he's got to make a smoothie. Course. Come and on. And I've been out of the I've been out of the house for an hour and a half. You couldn't have done that before, but anyway. <laughs> so. Um, your listeners are hearing way too much about my personal. I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know husband. your husband, know your husband, but like, I've always kind of liked him and, you know, he, he did, li- send, him we did send him crab cakes yeah. once upon a time. Um, and I shouldn't because he's a Steelers fan, right? Like I should never, like we're supposed to not like each oh other. Oh my God. But, I had to listen to an hour about the whole Steelers game. Oh, I can only imagine. Like I can enough. only imagine. But in a weird way, I've always liked him and I, and I'm, I'm not mad at him. I'm not. I, I understand. When you need <laughs> your smoothie. You need your smoothie. Like it's just the way that it goes. That's exactly what he's making is a smoothie. Dude, when there it's time, go. it's time. I understand it. <laughs> So when Ryan's was in Texas, when D'Amico was in, te- in Texas, in Houston, four of the six years that team was over 500. When he was the captain of the team, they won their first ever division title and they made their first ever playoff appearance. So he's a guy that kind of res- 
restores that feeling of, hey, this is when Texans football was good and exciting. The sheer force of his energy and his personality Hmm. lifts that fan base. And Hmm. then, yes, they got a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, who they hope is their franchise quarterback. But when Casario was so aggressive and went and got Will Anderson, too, who should be the cornerstone of their defense, I think that was, okay, the Texans mean business. So that created a bit of energy. You know, I'll tell you. I was in Houston last year, week 13, when Deshaun Watson was making his season debut and his return to Houston. We expected so much craziness. Like, I'll pull back the curtain. CBS had multiple meetings about how we were handling this. What if there was profane signage? What if there were chants? What if Tony Busby did whatever? What if all of that? Mm. We talked to the National Football League repeatedly. Okay, how will you handle this? If fans have these kinds of signs or fans are saying this or all of that. You know what happened in the game, Glenn? Nothing. Interesting. You want to know why? There were barely any fans in the stands. In Mm. fact, there might've been more Browns fans. And that's because the city was apathetic about the Texans. That's what the feeling about the Texans was. Now, fast forward to this year, D'Amico Ryan, his force of energy, CJ Stroud, Will Anderson, bringing in a guy like Jimmy Ward, all of that. Every day at training camp, they were packed. Wow. They were turning people away at training camp. People were standing outside in 105 degrees to watch this team. So I'm just telling you that to say there was a completely different feeling standing on the Texan sideline yesterday than there was when I did it multiple times last year. Guys were engaged. Guys were focused. Guys were not just sitting on the bench with towels around their heads. They were standing on the sideline. The substitutions, the way that they were talking to each other, all of it, just completely different than a year ago. So are the Texans the San Francisco 49ers? No. Are the Texans the Cincinnati Bengals? No. Are they? They're not. But they were improved. It's okay. not that they are just the walkover team and like, oh, ho-hum, who cares? The Ravens beat the little sisters of the poor. That's not what happened there. And C.J. Stroud had some moments, that's for sure. I, I think they're going to be an interesting team, I, and I mean that. I, I'm not trying to tell you to your point. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think there could be a team that in the next couple of years we'll be talking about like the Jaguars and the Lions in recent years, the teams that we see well, signs so, Yeah, from. and when you say that, Okay, so when you bring up the Jaguars and the Lions, yeah. this is something that I witnessed last year with both of those clubs, hmm. both of those coaches, really trying to instill a sense of belief. It's a change in culture. It's something that already exists in the Ravens. You step into the Ravens building and you expect to win. You step into the Ravens building, you expect everything to be first class. Organizations like the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, you kind of need to tell your players, I believe in you, I believe in you, I believe in you, you believe, you believe, you believe. But that's just telling them. They really have to feel it themselves. And I'll tell you, when D'Amico Ryans is going for it on fourth and one twice in that first game, to me, that's him saying, I'm not just telling you I believe. I'm showing you Mm. I believe. Mm. That's well said, Aditi. Uh, what can I, I plug? Say. What can I plug for you, my friend? Where are you headed next? Or are you anything besides games right we, now? No, I just. Uh, oh, you know what? Actually, yeah. I'm, so for CBS, I'm writing um, again, and I'm. We're going to be doing a weekly mailbag. I had one up last week. So if you go to CBSSports.com, you can see it. Very so cool. send me questions, please. Tell your um, 
readers to either, I think the, I don't even know your email address. I think it's askaditi, A-D-I-T-I, NFL at gmail.com, askaditi, NFL at gmail.com, or just tweet at me at akinkabwala um, and send me some questions. So I have some good things to go through. I love and that. then this week I'll be on the sidelines for, um, who do I have? I have the commanders at the Broncos. How about that? That'll be that. I think is the game locally on CBS in the four o'clock window this week. So that we'll get more of a duty in our lives. Yes, it is. That is the. Wait local. a minute. Oh yeah, because it's the commanders. Commanders. Yeah, they typically put. Because the four o'clock game is massive. What's the four o'clock Jets, game? It's Jets Cowboys, on CBS? isn't it? There's a doubleheader. Yeah. I think oh yeah. yeah. I think it's Jets Cowboys. But yes, I believe locally. But you're gonna get the commanders. Exactly oh, right. God. Exactly right. So we got two weeks of a duty in more, your market. I'm good with that. I love having more of a duty kinkabwala in my life. That's great news. Ben um, Clark, you're the best. Love you, and you know what? My yes. advice to you on your on your wife yes. is, honey, you're already gorgeous. You I, definitely don't need it. I it's say definitely it. not anything that's going to change I say it all the, the way time. that I or anyone else looks at you. But if it would make you feel so much better about yourself, then I support you. I, that's it, basically what you're saying is exactly what I say, but she wants me to give her an answer. She wants me to have a more definitive opinion. And I just can't do it. Like I, yes or no? Yep, that's what she wants from me. She wants me to say yes or no. And just say no. Say no. But then She'll she's do gonna... it anyway, but it's a be- better answer to say All right. no. All right, then I'll, I'll, I, will, I will consider that. I love you, friend. Thank you for doing this. Always appreciate <laughs> it. Bye, my friend. All right, that's Aditi Kinkabwala, uh, CBS, who's the best. And always appreciate her taking the time uh, for us after she was working the broadcast yesterday here in Baltimore. Hour number one already in the books. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buy Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, I was just sent the name of Tyus Bowser's guest for the first Tyus Bowser show tomorrow night. And... I'm just waiting for confirmation that I'm allowed to share it. I'm really excited about it. It's someone that I think you all know that I'm a big believer in and someone who, I'm trying to double check, has never been out before with Tyus Bowser for a Tyus Bowser show. So that's all I'll say for now. We're going to be at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill tomorrow night for the first Tyus Bowser show of the season, partnership of Pressbox and Great 8's memorabilia, brought to you by HelpMyGamblingProblem.org and Superbook Sports. First Tyus Bowser show of the year tomorrow night. Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road with Tyus and his special guest, who I'm just not quite ready to tell you about just yet. But it's a cool one. I'm looking forward to it. Here, I'll show it, I'll show it to, to Griffin. You can see the text. It's the third in the green, third one up. You see there? Ooh, that's a cool ooh, one, that right? That's a good one. That's a really yeah. cool one. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking yeah. forward to that. That's going to be a fun night exciting. tomorrow night. Sorry. Where at? Okay. Oh, at the Hamilton Sports oh, Bar and Grill. I hope okay. that that wasn't, I hope the camera didn't pick that up, uh, did it? No, I don't think you could. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just realized what a waste that would have been doing it that way. Um, all right. Unfortunately, the Ravens win yesterday certainly overshadowed by continuous bad luck on the injury front. And at SICscore.com this morning, I saw this. Are the Ravens the most injured team after week one? Well, if they're not, I don't know who it possibly could be. Joining us now, our friend, former Chargers team doctor, Mr. Pro Football Doc on Twitter. He is Dr. David Chow, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Doc, it's Glenn. As you know, I always appreciate it, but I hate that we have to do it. Thank you for taking the time for us, as always, this morning. 
No problem, but it's a little early in the year to be chatting, isn't right. it? I mean, come on. Can we go a little deeper into the season? Um, I, I want to run by two, two concepts by you first before we get into the individual injuries, if I could, Doc, because the first one was I found myself getting into a debate, a debate with one of our other uh, analysts here at the press box, Ken Zalas, who tweeted out, you know, hurt guys get hurt. And I know that that's a trope, and it's just a, a saying that a lot of us have, have fallen back to. But I feel like a couple years ago, I stopped using that because what I felt was football players get hurt. This is you show me the football player that's never been injured, and and you might as well be showing me a unicorn. And so when we talk about J.K. Dobbins, like it's ungodly what he's been through, but I don't know how to handle the conversation of. Once a guy has dealt with an injury or two, you should just sort of expect expect that's who he is for the rest of his life. Well, you know, I don't love the term injury prone. I think that's labeling a player and it's unfair to a player. It is a traumatic or collision sport of football, and they're all trying to work out. And injury prone is calling them that, you know, something is wrong with them. But there's no question there are players that can be more prone to injury. Look, quarterbacks that stay in the pocket, let's say Phillip Rivers, have the longevity streak. Quarterbacks that are mobile and extend plays and run, Lamar Jackson and others, and I'm not singing them out, expose themselves to more injury risk. That's just the way that it goes. I mean, the guy who skis down the, uh, the green and blue runs is less exposing himself or herself to injury than the double blacks. Right. And so there is something about prone to injury. And yes, it's unfortunate with J.K. Dobbins. But here's the thing you have to understand he suffered one really bad injury to his knee. And that led to several years, including last year's knee scope, et cetera. It was related. So it wasn't like he got injured again, although as fans, we think so. And this Achilles, you know, do injuries beget injuries sometimes? just because you're asking other parts of your body to do more. So I try and say, you know, people can be more prone to injury depending on the circumstance, but injury prone is not something I love. The other thing that I feel like has come up a lot, and, and you and I have talked about it before, there has been great criticism not just from the outside but from the inside regarding the Ravens' strength room. And we saw this utterly damning report card in the offseason in which – Basically, every strength staff in the NFL was given at least a passing grade, except for one, and that was an F-minus for the Ravens. And the Ravens moved on from Steve Saunders, but in the moment, I, I, I kind of wondered, wow, it was this damning, and yet all you did was promote from within. And I wondered, like, did the message actually change, or just the messenger was the one that changed? What do you make of the conversation about the, 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 what the Ravens have dealt with in terms of injuries, the finger pointing that's been from guys like, you know, Derek Wolf, even, you know, some of the active guys that have actively pointed out the issues within the Ravens strength room and whether or not there is something to be said about perhaps there is a concern that the message wasn't just coming from Steve Saunders and there might be a bigger problem with philosophy when it comes to the Ravens and their strength program. Well, I'm not inside the team, so it's hard for me to say specifics. And, you know, was it a popularity thing? Was it a style thing that, that got the F minus? Or, or was it a substance thing? It's, it's hard to say. I always think the best model is to not to have a strength and conditioning room and then an athletic training room. The two have to work hand in hand. 
uh, look, it didn't always happen even in my time in the NFL. I got told all the time by my GM, oh, my gosh, you know, I can't believe you're always bringing me bad news, this, that, the other. And I would say, look, I'm on the medical staff. I'm, I'm Paul Revere. I'm not the British. I'm not invading. I'm not causing the invasion. I'm just telling you it's coming or it's here. Right. But to me, a concerted effort between the strength and conditioning room and the athletic uh, training room, medical side, from prevention to uh, conditioning to rehab is probably the best approach. He is Dr. David Chow, and he is with us here on GCR. Doc, um, let me start with J.K. because we know the reality that it's a torn Achilles. He's done for the season. And now this is the better part of three seasons that have been sidetracked due to injury. There, it, there will be easy, dumb people will say, well, this is it. There's no coming back from this at this point for J.K. Dobbins. What would your response be to that? Well, I think we would want to say that he's already bucked the odds and coming back from a multi-ligament knee injury to, to play, and he should be congratulated for that. But I don't know if you remember, Glenn, but at the before the start of last season, I sort of was downgrading J.K. Dobbins, just saying it's too big of a hill to climb for him to really be effective and so forth. And he sort of got into it on social media that everything is fine. And look, his heart is there. His effort is there. That has to be applauded. But that initial multi-ligament knee injury is just that bad. I don't think he was 100% coming into this season. And that's sort of a chronic issue. Now, if you add that to the Achilles and, and you know, if, uh, executives are saying it's three straight seasons and, and we don't want to take the chance anymore. Right. That's a separate decision right. uh, separate uh, from from me. Do I think he can come back from this? I think he can. I think it's actually, look, it's a full year recovery. He's not coming back this season even late. The Cam Akers, you know, came back a little bit, but even then he wasn't himself with the Rams, uh, was it two seasons ago with the Achilles. But here's the th- the bigger issue is still what's his knee uh, in terms of the long term and and yeah this is a, a concern. Thankfully, you guys have Gus Edwards, but uh, you know you have to feel bad for J.K. Dobbins. Um, the Marcus Williams thing is interesting because the initial reports suggested it was a torn pec, and then kind of quickly that Marcus Williams got it out there that he didn't think that was the case. What should we know about why it might have been assumed to be a torn peck and what the realities could be if it isn't a torn peck? Well, I think by video, and we posted it at Twitter and at Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, that it is a left peck injury. Is it a peck tendon tear that will need surgery, or is it a peck muscle injury? That remains to be seen. So we can cross our fingers and hope. Either way, I don't believe his season is done. I think it is possible, even if it is a pec tendon rupture, to have surgery and return late season and or playoffs. And if it's a muscle injury, I believe TJ Watt had that last year, it's going to be missing some weeks, but uh, and likely in, in a short-term IR stint because it's hard to wrap up, but it's not surgery and it's not prolonged. But even with that being said, uh, we came into this week on our field views at Sick Data at Sports Injury Central saying that, you know, if you look at the field views, and, and we always uh, secretly have 12 players on defense because we think the slot corner is that important. Sure. But if you, t- if you take the secondary, the five main secondary guys, 
uh, three fifths of them were injured. Two were, <clears throat> two were missing and one was uh, hampered. <clears throat> and now you add a fourth to the mix. That's going to, that's why we wrote the article saying that the Ravens, the most injured team on the secondary. And we haven't even touched on yet. Ronnie Stanley, yep. me, who wasn't a hundred percent from yep. his ankle and Tyler, L- Tyler Linderbaum the, with a high ankle sprain, your center. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, and then we haven't even said Mark Andrews. Yep. Is he able to play? So with all that, now look, the Ravens looked very well this week, and they looked great, and they you know dominated and won. But here's my worry: the Houston Texans were far from 100. percent They were missing three out of five starting offensive linemen, and I think that contributed to the uh, problems for the Texans and the domination from the Ravens. And this next week, you're gonna you're gonna have a Cincinnati Bengals team that is you know, got shellacked and probably he's going to be pretty darn angry. So we'll have to see what happens. But other than all that, Doc, like you make it, <laughs> they could be 0 and 1. So, you know, it certainly things could be worse. Was, was there anything that you saw in looking at Stanley and Linderbaum? Did you get a, a feel at all for what was going on there? Linderbaum appears to have a right high ankle sprain. So I can't tell you the degree, but I have to think he's going to miss some time there. And then, um, uh, Ronnie Stanley, we looked at video, didn't see it. Apparently it's a right knee. It's, it's not his ankle. So that's good, but you know, it, it's going to be hard for him to uh, play. And look, Mark Andrews injury was from preseason and there wasn't a lot about it. And then, uh, limited practice and ended up, uh, missing this week. Uh, you know, of course the, the, the definition of limited practice is everything from one play to 99% of the play. So it's hard to, to gauge off of that. Do you have any good news for me, Doc? Do you have anything that you could say that would just like, like, did you have a, a good sandwich yes. this weekend or something? No, I'll give you the good news. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Ravens on the right side, they're 1-0. and Yes. And they're uh, playing a team that, that whose starting quarterback didn't throw for uh, 100 yards. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, that team has its own issues on the offensive line. And so if the guys up front, which are – other than other than your one linebacker that are relatively healthy can get after Joe Burrow like the uh, Browns did, uh, you know you got a chance to remain undefeated. So that's the uh, upside of it all. Let me let me just bring this up, and and I don't I apologize if I'm springing it on you because I don't know if you guys did anything with it. Um, the Orioles had a situation a month ago where. Felix Batista they announced it was a level of a UCL injury, and the immediate thought from everyone was that Felix Batista was going to need Tommy John surgery and they should probably just go ahead and get it done with and and try to get that clock moving. But we've actually seen now twice Felix Batista, their closer, has been playing catch. Like, he's been traveling with the team and playing catch. And I wonder if someone's going to need Tommy John surgery, if that's something that that person would be doing. Can we read anything at all into the idea that Felix Batista's out there playing catch and hasn't had the surgery yet? Well, I mean, uh, you know, it's good to keep hope alive. Uh, however, the, if it really is a Tommy John uh, injury, ulnar collateral ligament injury, even if it's partial, long term, it doesn't bode very well. If you think all the way back to uh, Shohei Otani, when he was being signed, I remember there were some concerns about a small partial ulnar collateral ligament tear in Shohei Otani. And uh, I was saying back then that it's a matter of time. I'm not saying he's not worth signing, but it's a matter of time before he's going to need it, being the player that he is. And obviously he's had it. Now, Batista here, 
you know, hard thrower, the whole deal. Um, yeah. I mean, could you get through this season? Maybe. And maybe that's what he's trying to do uh, with the good season of the Orioles. But, uh, you know, the, the clock is ticking and the statistics would tell you he's likely going to end up having it. But but no one wants to miss, you know, yeah, the playoffs. I get it. No, I, I understand. Like, it's a tough thing to do. But would you like w- would you allow I say allow like it's your call. Would you discourage if someone needed Tommy John surgery and you were certain of it, would you discourage them? from doing the playing catch, trying to ramp up like you could get through it? Well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Felix knows his body and you can never force anyone to have surgery, but who knows, maybe his time frame or his mindset is, look, let me try and do it. Let me try and get into this playoff push here with this uh, great young team. And uh, because here's the thing, it's not like if he had surgery now, he'd be ready to go for the start of next season. Right. It's not like if he had surgery now, he'd be ready for next playoffs and be 100%, right? I mean, either way, he's missing all of next season, including any potential playoff run next season. And even then, is he really re- ready for the, the following start of the following season? So uh, who knows? Maybe they be maybe looking at the calendar in terms of what's happening. And so you can't fault the guy for uh, trying and wanting to be there. All right. So remind everybody about SIC score and what they're going to be able to find there, Doc. Well, lots of new things. I mean, everything from a, a free contest every week, a pick'em contest, uh, uh, completely free to win a guaranteed thousand dollars, to uh, all sorts of uh, new features, sick data, sick picks, and all sorts of new features there, and a new look at the website. Check it out. And probably the most important thing for fantasy players is it's not just the health of one running back versus another. Perhaps you want to look at uh, in terms if you're deciding who to play. And we do have six scores on all fantasy players, but we also have scores on the offensive line and also scores on and visualization of the of the other team's front seven in terms of what their coverage might be and stopping the run. So if you're really undecided, look, if you've got Derrick Henry versus, you know, a, a random guy, you're going to just play Derrick Henry no matter what, or Saquon Barkley. But if you've got two guys that you're making a decision on, whether it's at wide receiver or running back or otherwise, it would behoove you to look at the other, what the other team has and, and what, their own offensive line health is before you make that final decision. And you can see all that at SICscore.com. And also Sunday mornings, bookmark sick insights. Everything is right there. Everything I said here is right there. That's the much quicker way than Twitter where you have to scroll, 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 scroll through my timeline or sick score timeline. Sick insights, it's all encapsulated. So bookmark that. You can still follow him at ProFootballDoc as well. Maybe do both things is the way to go about doing it. Doc, hopefully... Maybe maybe we we take a break from the, I I don't it's not you it's not me sorry it's not you it's me I'm just hoping you and I can maybe take a nice little break here for a little while and not have to <laughs> chat for a bit uh, always appreciate your insight thanks so much for hopping on with us this morning all right thanks bye bye Dr David Chow with us here on GCR of course former Chargers team doctor SICScore.com. all right when we come back in Lamar meter Lamar right? yeah it, it's back. We'll explain it next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Why bet with the big boys this football season? Instead, try your hand with the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall. Superbook Sports is the book next door. Just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now, Superbook will give you a bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use the promo code GlennClark23, G-L-E-N-N-C-L-A-R-K-2-3. So bet with the best. And use the promo code GlennClark23 this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. The Maryland Five Star returns to iconic Fair Hill October 19th to 22nd, marking the next chapter in Maryland's equestrian tradition. Best described as the triathlon of horse eventing, you won't want to miss this thrilling sport. Enjoy a fall festival with local fair, retail vendors, and tons of family fun. Come for the event and stay for the experience in Cecil County, home to the Chesapeake Bay waterfront with vibrant small towns and accommodations to suit every desire. It's the place to be in October. Visit Maryland5star.us for tickets. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. It's a Maryland thing you wouldn't understand. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. What's up, everyone? It's Tyus Bowser, and I've had so much fun hanging out with Rita and putting up with Glenn the last couple years that I've decided to do it again. Season three of the Tyus Bowser Show is happening this year as we'll be all over town, giving you the chance to get to know me and some of my teammates. As we talk football, life in general, and just say what needs to be said, you can find out more about the show by going to pressboxonline.com Bowser. If you don't live in the area, you can watch the shows live on Facebook and YouTube. And if you miss one, you can listen Friday nights at 105.7 a fan. So we'll see you all season long for the Tyus Bowser Show. A partnership, a press box, and great ace memorabilia. Gambling problem? Visit helpmygamblingproblem.org. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 12th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill, 5506 Harford Road. It's brought to you by Superbook Sports. Make sure you're tuned in every Tuesday for Pressbox fantasy football analyst Joe Serpico to get you ready for your waiver wire Wednesday, brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. And if you have other fantasies you want fulfilled, subscribe to Glenn and Jeremy Kahn's OnlyFans page at... Wait, are people supposed to know about that?
Yeah, I need the microphone on. That's the that's the. I was I given get used to the new bumpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was given the permission to say it. Uh, Tyus Bowser's guest tomorrow night for the first Tyus Bowser show of the season at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill will be Rashad Bateman. Ooh, Rashad Bateman wow. will be the guest for the first Tyus Bowser show of the 2023 season. Hope that you can come out and join us. The Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Hartford Road tomorrow night. Rub elbows with some of your favorite players. You can also watch the show live, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or you'll be able to listen to it throughout the course of the week here on GCR and Friday night on 105.7 The Fan, the Tyus Bowser Show with special guest Rashad Bateman. Tomorrow night, Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill. For more details, pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. Ron is in Owings Mills. Ron, good morning, bud. How you doing? Well, what's going on, man? Well, you know, I mean, uh, J.K. Dobbins getting hurt sucked, but the things could be worse. Yeah. I mean, it's just you. I agreed with the decision to rest the the folks in the preseason. I expected Russ when you do that. I just it, this team's cursed, man. This team's cursed. What do we do uh, about I just, that? How do we ch- rough, how do we fix it? I don't know. I mean, they fired the strengthening or let him go or whatever the press release said. I, I don't know. I don't know, like, specifically with Dobbins ramping him up. I don't know what they did. I just – I don't know, man. I'm just very frustrated. Lamar didn't look good. The offensive line was bad. I want to be fair to Lamar because he hasn't played at all. But I was disappointed with how he played, Glenn. I mean, I I, I know the offense is going to take some time with the new coordinator. I get that. I'm just saying and, – and there was bad football the whole weekend. So I, I'm, I'm going to give it another week. Because I, I need to be a little rational. I feel a little better this morning. Well, but look at you! What a, it's a turning over a new leaf, Ron. <laughs> I mean, well, yesterday I was I was upset. Yesterday I was. I don't care. Like, see, like this is the difference between me and other fans. Like, there are other people that say that just give them the benefit of the doubt. It's a win. That's great. I, yesterday I was upset because I wanted to see a little bit more. Like, there there was a lot of to this offense. I didn't think it would happen all right away. I knew there would be some rust. I didn't expect them to look as bad as they did for a whole half. I thought there would be some series where they didn't—they didn't look insane. They didn't look good for a half. Yeah. That first half was bad. Yep. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I'm—I think Flowers is is legit. I think the Dobbins thing. I don't know. Uh, we're just gonna have to see how that plays out. I think the AFC North to me is gonna be a, a battle the whole year. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that's just my Ravens thing. I don't have a lot for you on that. I do want to say. I think Novak Djokovic is the greatest player of all time. Uh, I don't think there's any debate about that any longer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I actually started to think that a few years ago, and and now it's just, I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd. Look, <sighs> you know, I, the disappointing part is we didn't get the match we wanted, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I, it's twofold. We didn't get the match we wanted, and Medvedev was not nearly the same guy yesterday as he was on Friday. Like, the, that guy on Friday would have beaten anybody problem. in the world, right? Yeah, um, he would have. What what ha- it's it's tennis is such a wild sport because we remember you know what happened two years ago when Medvedev blitzed Djokovic right in the final and then yesterday yeah. he had nothing just no he looked hopeless and it was a completely different guy than what we saw on Friday a reminder of the mental aspect of the sport overwhelmingly but there's no debate about Djokovic the story from the weekend was of course Coco which is just yeah unbelievable to me because the way Sabalenka was playing in the first set I thought that was on its way to being a blowout. Um, yeah. Sabalenka is definitely the definition of a player that struggles between the ears um, and mm-hmm. al- 
All of a sudden, she just starts missing shots, and it all comes falling apart for her. And Coco withstood that blitz in the first set and how she has improved. I, I, I said something about this on Twitter, Ron. Like, the Coco Golf story is amazing because she was faced with a level of expectation that was oh, yeah. drastically unfair for a 15-year-old. She was faced you with think? that. 15, <laughs> 15 years, years old. old. She was faced yeah. with this. Like, she was supposed to be Serena Williams. And yeah. for her to have handled that, like, we think about the Jennifer Capriati story, right? We, like, we think about mm-hmm. so many stories of young people that were faced with that and how she and her family have handled that with grace. She's never been standoffish. She's never been, you know, like, combative with people mm-hmm. that have expectations for her. And for her to lose to Sophia Cannon in the first round at Wimbledon, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it, and then to come back and have one of the great summers that we've ever. It's not just that she won the U.S. Open. It's right. that she, you know, remember she won a 1,000 event just weeks beforehand, mm-hmm. and she won in D.C. I saw in DC. Yeah, you saw that. It, it's that story is unreal, and I don't think it's being appropriately told yet. How truly incredible it is that Coco has withstood all of this. I you're I think you you hit it really well. Uh, I think she the expectations she did, I was really happy for her because she to me you're correct. She unfair expectations on her. She's always had talent since like you said such an early age. I've always liked her. She's always carried herself well. I've seen her around the grounds with with fans. Yep. She's just a, a class act, and she's always had talent. I do think the Brad Gilbert thing yep. starting in D.C. Yep. I really I watched a lot of the practices and I think a lot of it I think she gave credit to her dad. Of course, her dad did so much for her, but I do think that was the right decision to bring in a, a Brad Gilbert in her team. I do think that that helped. I'm not going to say was that the only reason. She was she was primed to make a run eventually, right? Yep. But I, yep. I think the DC tournament gave her confidence. Like she was just playing at a hot. I I thought, look, like, did I think she would win the U.S. Open? I I didn't say that, but I watched. No, her I think play, we all thought, thought she had a chance. Yeah, I I thought she had a chance after she beat Iga. We all kind of said the same thing. Okay, yeah. she can win the U.S. Open now. Yeah. Like we didn't know yeah. that she would, but once she beat Iga, that was the mountain for her, right? Like that was the thing mm-hmm. that at that point she could believe that she could beat anybody that she played against. The moment that she beat Iga. And I she think her serve, her serve, her serve was better. Yeah, like just like she was winning more free points on her, so she could always play the defense. I but there were times where she went for too much. I thought she played with a little bit more margin, but she's always had the defense. I just think there's a couple little tweaks, but it was the confidence of the summer, and you got to give her credit. Like she played a lot of tennis, like and Djokovic just played Cincinnati. They both won Cincinnati. Yep. But I, I was really happy for her because I actually do think, awesome. look, I, we, there's a lot of negativity. I know I can be a negative fan at times, but she is one of those people I will always defend because she, she, she's she, a light man. And I think, I don't think this, I think this is the beginning for her. I think she's going to, she'll win more slam. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's such a cool story. I had goosebumps, dude. Like I had yeah. goosebumps watching that on Saturday it, because it's, I think a lot of people are just excited about a young American player, and it's mm-hmm. not, it, to know the the true capacity of everything involved there. It is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. What an it, awesome thing it is! And Glenn, I want to just leave you this with this on last thing on Djokovic. I was happy for him, like when he lost to Medvedev at the U.S. Open, he was going for the fourth straight. The crowd yeah. finally gave him some support. He's always not gotten the support. I think like with Federer out of the game, yep. Nadal has been hurt. I think. The U.S. fans, especially in the U.S., because he wasn't able to play the event, because I don't want to get into all that. But um, 
I do think he's getting now. He's always it's been widely known for the past couple of years he's the best, but I think he's getting the love now that I think he deserves. I think it's like the tennis community. Roger and Nadal will always be loved because of what they are, what they mean, and I'm not taking any – they're all three of them are great. I'm happy for Novak that he is getting the love from the people. Like, it, it, to me, it's nice to see because he really – he, he's turned it around with the, with the fans, and I, I'm happy for him. I agree. Appreciate it, Ron. Good to hear from you, buddy. All right, man. Take it easy. Before we call Jeremy, let's do this. It is uh, it is back. The Lamarometer. Lamarometer. If, if you weren't with us during the off season, this was quite the adventure. As every day we updated the Lamarometer to try to reflect where we believe the percentage chance was that Lamar would be the Baltimore Ravens starting quarterback for week one of the NFL season. Of course, we know that ultimately proved to be 100%. Woo! As Lamar was indeed the starting quarterback yesterday for week one of the NFL season. So when the Lamar meter, when Lamar signed his contract, I had a lot of people reach out like, what are you going to do now? People really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, it was silly, but yet we tried to, the, what, what we did was the definition of a radio bit. We attempted to treat it as seriously as possible for something that we knew inherently was silly. And for anyone that enjoys talk radio, like that to me is the when talk radio is at its best. You take something very serious or very silly and you treat it very seriously. And you're in on it. And you allow everybody else to be in on it as well. Not everybody always is. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people try to be negative about it because they don't fully understand it. Um, I'm a fan of the sports junkies down in D.C. Everybody knows that. Those are my guys. I learned a lot about how to do radio from them. And I, I think I strive to be entertaining in that way, to walk the line between hardcore sports conversation and fun and life and figure out where in between you can be entertaining. And so the Lamar meter was a good time. And we had some ideas for other things that we could do uh, people enjoyed the ride. They wanted more of it. We actually literally made a completely different meter that you'll never see. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I say that. Yeah. yeah. There's And there's reason for it. And, you know, if you want to ask me about it sometime privately, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. But that we made a different meter with a different person's face and a different name. I say we. Uh, Jen, Gwen. Jen, Gwen's Gwen. Chili Bowl. Yes, Sorry, I'm about Gwen. to say Jen. Gwen's <laughs> Chili Bowl made the meter for us, and we're very thankful for that. Um... But we decided ultimately to stick with the Lamar meter. It's here, first of all. <laughs> That's the helpful part. It's right there over my shoulder. So what we're going to do every week during the season is we're going to reflect. And we might do it in the offseason based on, like, hey, do they go out and get a certain player? You know, Emergency readings. Right. Yeah. We are going to change the number based on this premise. What is the percentage chance that Lamar Jackson will win a Super Bowl during the five-year contract that he signed with the Ravens. Oh, this is easy. It's like 100. Oh, yeah? That's yeah, where you think the yes. meter should be? By the way, the first person that responded said 100. The second person said 99. I'm like, okay, not in on the bit. Don't get it. Now, again, if you understand the meter, you understand that what I'm doing, I'm attempting to do scientifically, and you say that's absurd. I know it is, but I'm still attempting to do it. I'm still attempting to come up with a fair, reflective number. And then there were days during the first run of the Lamar meter where we'd we'd hear reports like, oh, I don't know. You know he wants out. With the day, of course, the yes. day that the, the trade uh, request was reported, the meter crashed to its lowest number that it ever was. 
But there were days where there were encouraging signs, like teams that we thought might be in on quarterbacks were signing quarterbacks or or doing Training, or saying yeah. they simply just weren't on Lamar Jackson. They'd rather have Desmond Ritter be their right. quarterback, which who was fifteen for eighteen yesterday. Quite a cho- yeah. How'd that go for them? Uh, they did win. Yeah, quite a choice. Yeah. Quite a choice. They decided not to use Drake London at all. Yeah, that was, was a weird bit. <laughs> it was a real weird bit, man. I don't and know. They what that targeted was all Kyle Pitts three zero, times. Zero yeah. for Drake London. Um, but if you're drafting Atlanta Falcons, well, I guess Bijan had a huge yes, game. Yes, Bijan right? did have a yeah. game. So he's pretty good. Anyway, the moral of the story being, that's how we move the meter. And similarly, it's not we're the meter will not just be about like Lamar's performance. It's not just a how did Lamar play on Sunday. It will reflect all sorts of other things. What else is going on in the division? What else is going on in the conference? Does the team look like a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl? If Lamar had thrown for 560 yards against the Texans, but the Ravens had lost because they gave up 63 points, the meter probably would not be that high, despite the fact that Lamar Jackson played quite well. Get it? This is not... There are people that immediately... Immediately, I, I got the guys on social media. Oh, what? So it's Lamar's fault that other guys are getting hurt? First of all, you haven't even seen what the meter is reading at. They're already like, oh, why are you having a zero? <laughs> Second of all, it's our, look, Lamar is the guy that signed the five-year contract, so he's the centerpiece of it. But what I'm really saying is, what is the percentage chance the Ravens will win a Super Bowl? It's just that I'm using Lamar's five-year contract as the Barom- barometer. Yeah, yeah the, the lamometer. Lamometer, if you will, for that. So I hope that we can all understand this and have fun with it and not make it something that it isn't. As always, most of you will. If you're here, you probably will. Social media, we'll see how it goes. All right, fine. So with that being said, I guess my reading should be at 99 then. 99. Uh, yeah, I'll be Play, modest. Really do that. I'll, I'll ask you, really, if you had to set a reading, where would your first reading be? I, I think I'd be probably pretty close to about 50-50, I guess. I mean, I, I think... Really? I, I'm saying from yeah. a scientific standpoint, yeah, not from I mean, a. I feel like you are allowing your emotion. That's probably true. To get involved, true. I'm saying you've got to separate emotion and uh, okay. only yeah, look I mean, at it from a scientific the, the standpoint. Because, winning in because a somebody period. would say, first of all, divide 100 by 32, right? And mm-hmm. there's your number. Yeah. Right. Because every team has equal. Like we a all three percent chance. Yeah. Thing is, we all know that's not actually the case. Like we just know that there are some teams that have better opportunities than yeah. other teams. Desmond Ritter, you think you're gonna win a Super Bowl? Yeah. Right. Um. So separate your emotions. Separate your I believe in Lamar. I believe in. Separate that and try to scientifically analyze it from all of the various factors and tell me where you think the number should be. I mean, they. This is a team that is a perennial contender. And they are, they are always yeah in the top third in terms of teams that are can, that going into the season. So I like I definitely think at least I, I it's gonna feel high I guess. But I mean like I'm I'm high on this team. I think that they are well run. What? It's your, it's your I'm high on I'm it's the emotion. That's, yeah. I, okay. I'm ask I'm asking a 20 year old the to world. be able to have a 40 year old conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna Just stick say with, what your I'm number is. Stick with 49%, Jesus. Then. There is a reason why you are not the one in the lab. (laughs) There's a reason why we're not you having you run the computations. I think they they, in five years this team should. It's gonna be. It'll be a by the way. I I realize I told you that it's funny because I texted what the first number was going to be to uh, John Colson last night, and I realized I said the wrong. Somehow between last night and today, I I like like dropped the percentage. No, the first number I decided last night. I'm gonna roll with it. First reading of the Lamar meter. 
Is that 20? 20%. 20%. 20%. 20% All right. is the first reading on the Lamar meter. If you you hate ahead, them. You want to go ahead. Thank you, Griffin. You want to go ahead and snap your picture so we can call Jeremy because here we are being jerks to Jeremy again and calling him 10 minutes late. Uh, that's the first reading of the new Lamar meter is 20%. And again, the question is percentage chance. And maybe we should phrase it as the Ravens will win the Super Bowl, not Lamar. Okay. Because if he wins the Super Bowl with the Seahawks, I don't care. So the, this contract is traded to the... Per percentage chance that the Ravens win a Super Bowl during the length of five the Lamar Jackson's five year deal, current five year deal with the Ravens. So that's what we're rolling with. And every Monday we will sort of update where the Ravens find themselves. Why twenty percent, you ask? Well, somebody would say that's actually probably a bit too high scientifically. The AFC is loaded. And even though Joe Burrow didn't play well yesterday, and even though the Chiefs lost their first game, the notion that all of a sudden the, the those teams have completely come back to earth is not one that I'm willing to entertain. Dolphins looked really good. Boy, did they look good yesterday. My, oh my. How about a world in which the Raiders are in first place in the AFC West? How about that world? Um, it's going to be hard to break through. It, it's going to, with this many good quarterbacks. It's going to be hard to break through, and it's going to require me seeing it. Now, to Griffin's point, the reason why my number isn't lower is because I do have faith, and I do think the Ravens, for the most part, make good decisions. Should I have dipped it a bit more based on J.K. Dobbins getting hurt, perhaps? But right now, I generally like the trajectory of the Baltimore Ravens. I generally like how they've handled their business. I just, you know, 20%. 20% is the number. And I think I'm being more than fair by making it that number. But we'll update it every Monday. We will be on here normally at the top of the show. Today we had um, Rod Woodson join us right at the top of the show, so it just didn't work out that way. Normally the first thing we'll do on Monday mornings is we'll come in here and we'll give you a Lamar meter update. Again, the scenario moving forward, percentage chance the Ravens win a Super Bowl during the five-year contract that Lamar Jackson signed. Now, it is also a Monday, and uh, we'll never figure out what time we're doing these things. Sometimes it's his fault. This week, again, it's our fault. He is our friend Jeremy Kahn, Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan, ConcreteLocks.com, PressBoxOnline.com, where you find some picks as well. He is back with us here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? What's up, man? Things are good. So we're doing a bit now, and mm -hmm. I brought back the Lamarometer because I need I need that those luscious clicks. I just need them. So all of that <laughs> social media interaction, I keep being told that you got to do more of that. So we're bringing back the Lamar meter. We're going to update it weekly during the course of the season. And the premise is the percentage chance the Ravens win a Super Bowl during the five-year contract that Lamar signed. And we will update it each week based on the results of the game and other things that are going on. But if I gave it to you and said you have to set the first number, percentage chance the Ravens win a Super Bowl during this five-year contract that Lamar signed, what would have been the number that you would have started with? I mean, I probably probably would have started off lower, like a 10%. Okay. Um, and that's not a knock on the Ravens. I do think it's just incredibly like how difficult it is to just win. Um, <clears throat> and inherently, I think having Lamar locked up and no longer on a rookie deal does two things. It then allows you to know how much money you have to spend elsewhere. And then it also doesn't allow you to have a ton of money to spend elsewhere in a lot of situations. But, um, but 
yeah, look, I think he's talented enough. Um, I don't know that we can base anything off of what we saw yesterday. The thing that gives me a little bit more pause is just seeing these injuries and oh, yeah. um, how things have gone. So, you know, and even with Lamar, Lamar still has to show that he can stay healthy for a full season. I mean, the JK stuff, which I know we'll touch on, it's, it's just, just gut wrenching, man. God, I feel terrible awful. for him. It's awful, man. Like, so, it, by the way, the, my number is 20. And I admit, I think that's bullish, right? Like, I think that I'm giving being more fair. But part of that is I'm. I do think it matters that the Ravens typically make good decisions and have typically built winners, and that at some point it might just be that they get the good luck that season, and that's the season where they're able... You know, when we're talking about a five-year window, if a team's regularly in it, I do think that the math sways a little bit towards them in that process uh, versus a team that's going to be built to win for one year, a la the Rams a couple years ago, although they looked good yesterday. Um, yeah. I, all you said is relevant, though, and it's... I Like, I'm... I'm having a difficult time talking about JK because it's it's a twofold conversation. It's what you brought up, which is just how truly gutting this is, how cruel it feels for this young man with so much talent to be four years now into his NFL life and to have not had a single normal season yet, right? Like he his yeah. even his rookie season was in the midst of a pandemic. So like his friends, his family weren't able to like come out and celebrate and enjoy it. He has not been able to just have a normal NFL season four years in. And while I'm not suggesting that his career is over, there is no doubt that it will be derailed. Like it will be very difficult for J.K. Dobbins to be looked at as a starting or franchise caliber player this offseason when he's barely been able to play for three seasons. So it's going to be impacted significantly. It, there's no I, I keep it's inequitable it's unfair it's cruel it's awful See, I, I can't come up with enough words to describe it yeah it's, I mean it feels like Sisyphus except when the ball rolls back down the hill it rolls over top of right you oh, know like God, it's just, that's a good that is a good way that's a that, look, look, did somebody did you steal that from someone else that's a damn good analogy no, I just made that up on the spot oh, yeah God, look at you that's how I roll man. sometimes look no but you. but in all seriousness like you know I I said this years ago, like, I, I'm not a guy, I don't care if it's the opposing team, I don't care if it's the player, I like the least. Um, I don't root for anybody to get hurt, and I hate seeing injuries. And, like, just think of, just think about, you finally get, you're given this, this God-given ability, or whatever, you, you have all this talent in the world, you could be, I mean, he's averaging almost six yards a carry, and he just can't stay healthy. It wasn't a problem he had in college, it wasn't a problem. He gets here, the knee injury, the rescope. Now the Achilles and an Achilles is an absolute bitch, man. Like, and you know it when the Achilles tears, like, you know what you have to go in for. And you're like, cause I mean, most guys don't even realize it's happening. And then you hear that snap. And then if you watch it on video, not this one, but I remember the, uh, one of the chargers running backs uh, years ago, you could see it just roll up. And I was playing basketball with a, a buddy of mine that tore his, his Achilles. And he actually got kicked in the back of the league on a rebound. And when he landed, you could just see, popped you heard a snap and he dropped and um i mean it's just strange and it takes a long time to recover from and so now you look at it from all the different levels with jk it's not just okay i know now i have to sign a prove it deal right okay even after i sign that prove it deal and i prove it for one year is one year enough to prove it to where somebody's going to give me a multi-year deal so like i just think the whole thing is f so now he becomes one of these guys that ultimately is going to keep signing one or two year deals just to stay in the league if he's even able to come back other than that, though, I mean, that, but that's the, great. Yeah, that's the reality, and it sucks, and it sucks for him. And then on the flip side, Jeremy, it's the, the we are so dismissive about running backs in the NFL at the moment, and yet we all know in Baltimore that the last couple of seasons there has been a dramatic difference between the quality of the Baltimore Ravens 
when J.K. Dobbins has been on the field and when he's not been on the field. And yeah. having this conversation is tough because the next thing is, are the Ravens in a better situation to withstand losing J.K. Dobbins this year than they have been in past years? And I, I the easiest thing to say was at least the scheme is not quite as run-dependent as it's been mm-hmm. for the last couple of years. But I still don't know, right? Like, it felt like yesterday the number two back on this team was not Gus Edwards. It felt like it was Justice Hill. Now, Gus Edwards did get more work as the game went along, and maybe he moves into the primary back role. But I think we all know that the Ravens want in the Todd Munkin offense to be able to throw the ball more to a running back. And while Gus Edwards is capable of catching the football, getting Gus Edwards into space is not something that is going to be a high priority. He's supposed to be the guy that takes on contact. So, does Justice Hill become more of the featured running back for this offense? And how do you have a whole lot of confidence in that if that's the case? I mean, or does it end up becoming, uh, am I getting uh, the kid Mitchell, right? Right, um, Keith Mitchell, yeah. Does, yeah, does he end up getting some opportunities here? Because let's be honest, like Justice, Justice Hill has been in his role as a third down back, and I think they like him there and don't mind using him, giving him some extra carries here or there and other roles. But, uh, I mean, how is the health of Gus Edwards? Is he 100% coming back? And how many carries are they willing to give him a game? So maybe it does become something where you get the 50-50 split from the young guy and and Mitchell and Gus Edwards, and then maybe Justice is working. I don't know. I mean, maybe you end up becoming the Buffalo Bills if, if things keep going awry where Josh Allen is your running back and everybody else is just running out the pass. I don't know. So. If you, or honestly, the way that we saw it yesterday, that essentially they say, well, Zay Flowers is part of the run game now, right? Like, And this is something that team we've seen from a lot of teams over the years where – underneath passes are the part of how they run the football. And given how addicted the Ravens were to it yesterday, I have no reason to think it's going away. Yeah. Like it was an encouraging thing to start the game. Like, Oh, they're running plays just to get the ball in a playmaker's hands. My, my kingdom for this. I've been waiting for this yeah. for years. And then as the game went on, it was like, okay, but maybe not on every play. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe did we try it on the left side yet? Right. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. We tried it the right and the left and right. it didn't work. Do you think we should try it back on the right again? Yeah. Like, maybe that, well, yeah. one of my inherently one of my big problems with this is I think the the process of it isn't one hundred percent accurate. And hear me out on this: like, there has to be first off, the blocking has to be correct. Everybody putting a hat on a hat, you know who you're leaving open or who who gets a free run and he's got to make miss. Because on a couple of those, he was just getting hit as soon as he's catching it. It has to be a little bit more with Lamar and the body language in the in the pocket where he's dropping back and he's looking it off, or he's dropping back like he's throwing deep. Boom! You turn, you throw it. That's what makes Aaron Rodgers so good. Like when he's grabbing that ball and taking that sidestep and throwing it out there, he's getting it out quick enough to where if somebody's off the line, his receiver can, you know, get what he can. When it was Devontae Adams, it felt like he got 8-12 to 12 on every single play off the line of scrimmage. And then on top of it, it's, it's just a matter of like the timing. It has to be right. Um, so like I, I think reps with it would be, would be important. And I'm not one of those guys. We talked about it a lot here. Like, if they played in the preseason, would it have been any different? The Eagles didn't play their starters. They jumped out to 16 to nothing, and then they fell flat. Um, I just think that there's some of that that's going to happen around the league as we get rolling. But um, inherently, like as we look at this team, the injuries are the, the thing that concerns yeah. me the most, yeah. not necessarily what we saw on the field. Would you at all – it's the conversation you can't avoid when something like this happens. How do you talk about Jonathan Taylor in terms of where the Ravens are? <laughs> Yeah, um, well, so, like, he, he can't play until week, what, five, after he comes off the pup list. Yep. He said he's ready to go now, but since they put him on pup, that's where he's going to be. Um, and then what the asking price was. Like, so let me just say this, because when the um, the Colts called the the uh, um, Miami Dolphins, yeah. they asked, asked for Jalen Waddle. Right. 
which was but, but and know, the first round pick. But we know that's not happening. So like this is the like, part. Yeah, that, I mean, but like we, that's what they asked for. They asked for a premier receiver and a pick. Like you're not getting. Yes, that. they're not getting. They're not getting either of those things. For the record, they're not getting a first round pick or a premier receiver. That's not happening. Yeah. Like this is the 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 Colts know why it is that they've devalued Jonathan Taylor. So because they have a psychopath that's running the franchise, um, they can't they can't make it reality. There's not going to be a team that's going to give you either of those things for Jonathan Taylor because every other team is treating running backs the same way that you are. That's the reason why we're having this conversation. So the real question to me is if at some point the Colts, if Jonathan Taylor remains steadfast and says, dude, I'm not playing for you, like that's not – you can sit me down for four weeks and try to say, well, we tried. I'm telling you, I'm not playing for you. Deal with it. Either you're going to wait out. If somebody can get a hold of old man or say, crazy, you know, drunk or say, and say, dude, we're nuts. We're, we just got to move on and take whatever it is that we can get if we're not willing to sign the guy. Then the question becomes, if the, if the market does crash to a normal place, does it make sense for the Ravens to dip their toes into that water? Um, I think it could if, if uh, the, the compensation is fair. But again, like I'll go back to Jonathan Taylor. Like It's a necessary evil that he has to play this year to try to get himself the contract he wants. But do you think the Ravens are the team that are going to give him a contract extension? And this um, is, but I, I would almost say like if you're exploring it, you're not even thinking about it. Like you're, you're making a trade to sort of say the price has to come down to a place where if, he, if we don't get him back, then we didn't give up. Like We can maybe get a compensatory pick. If we paid a, a third and a fifth rounder for Jonathan Taylor and we get back a fourth, right? Was it worth it for us to have? Oh, absolutely. As long as I mean, if he's look looking at it ahead of time, it's absolutely worth it if that's the deal you make and he does stay healthy and gives you what you need, you know, as as a running back. But um, because you're talking about what a lot of people consider the best running back in football, it's not right. just another player. You're not just trading for. I mean, with all due respect to just throwing names out there, like I know Cam Akers didn't have a great day yesterday, but. Uh, you know, a, a Mark Ingram or somebody like that. You're not trading for just a stopgap thing. You're trading for a guy that can really help put you over the top. But again, ultimately, I think the end goal is you're not paying. I think it's the reality. I mean, I just think that's that's where we are, and um, nothing's going to change that. Uh, what else? What what jumped out at you the most? What was it? Was a brutal man. I had a terrible day betting. Oh God, I had a wretched well, day. What a weird ass day to start the I, season. I should have listened to Jeremy when so, he told me and Caleb to hammer the Browns, and we we, we yeah. Didn't I like so yeah. the problem for me was so my my lock was the Broncos, and you know I'm not I'm not going to make any excuses of why like the lock didn't hit. I mean, but missing an extra point early on kills you. Uh, they give up the one drive, and then and then of course they get it back and they take a 16 to 10 lead in the fourth. I'm like, all right, well now now Vegas has got to go for a touchdown. Oh, they're just going to get four pass interference calls and go down and get one. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, was, that wasn't fun. But I had the Browns. I had the Packers. And even the Seattle over, man. Like, I even said that I like the Rams to score some points. But I, I love Seattle's offense. And Geno Smith was anything but average or good. He was, he was so bad yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it was a really weird week one. I mean, we almost had the, I mean, the Vikings lose. We almost had the Saints lose. We almost had Jacksonville lose. <laughs> The Steelers got mollywopped at home, um, and I don't even know what you want to call that with the Giants last night, but that was strange. Uh, that was that was not football, is what I would call that last night. That yeah. was not football; and was miserable. Uh, okay, now I got to get to the important part with you because it came up earlier in the show, and I need to discuss this with you because you're a happily married man who's in a good relationship, mm-hmm. a healthy relationship. 
Um, I was chatting with Aditi Kinkabwala earlier this morning, and she mentioned to me a story that like she's interested in getting Botox, and her husband is a, a, opposed to it. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a conversation that Mrs. Clark and I have had a lot recently. And that conversation is that Mrs. Clark, um, you know, she's had a couple of kids, right? And she looks great, mm-hmm. but yet she is interested in having some breast augmentation surgery. Okay. And she comes to me like every six weeks and represents this to me like, hey, what do you think? And every time she does, I say, I'm not going to have an opinion about this subject. And the reason I do that is because I know whatever my opinion is will be weaponized against me. If I say yes, then immediately I'm going to be like, oh, so you don't think I, I'm, I look good enough? You don't you don't like, like immediately. That's the way it goes. If I say no, then I'm not supportive of her. I'm not supportive of something that she wants to do. Yeah. So I have avoided it like the plague. I, every time it comes up, it is a, huh, how about that? Well, you know, look at the weather outside. What a day it is. Did you see that Fast and the Furious movie? I hear it's doing well. Yeah. I'm that guy every time. <laughs> have you dealt with Do you not want her to get it? Or I, is it just in, like- Jeremy, in my heart of hearts, I really don't care. And that's the other part, part of this, is that like I think she looks great. I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a very fortunate man. I look like a mongoloid and I have a very attractive wife, right? Like, well, it sounds like you've come to the perfect person because this is the same exact situation you, I have. You know a thing except, or two about this topic. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My wife was talking about having a breast reduction surgery, which now that you know, makes me of a course, very I, lucky I, man. Hang on a second. I believe the, we have a quote about what having breast reduction surgery is, Griffin. Don't we have, uh, don't we have that available to us? I believe we have a quote. Yes. Hang on. Uh, uh, oh, great. Yeah, we, I have we, dynamite, dynamite radio Walker. producer. He's been. I've been. I've been hoping to get him to be more like a radio producer because you know now he's yeah. a radio producer. It's and like slapping God across the face for giving you a gorgeous gift. Thank you. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's exactly. That's no, a, don't celebrate it, Griffin. No, you really missed yeah. on timing. <laughs> Terrible timing. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the conversation I had with my wife because I said she's not allowed to because we've got to have the divorce first because I'm going to try to get one of them in the divorce since I'll get half. <laughs> so um, she definitely cannot remove any parts of it. But, but yeah, like I've told her, I'm okay. not thrilled about it, but it's a, if it's a health thing for her and her back, I can't argue with Of that, course you know? not, but right? You're going to support her. You're going to support her in her health. Aesthetics, yeah. Yeah, I get you that. Know. By the way, I, had, I, I was telling this story recently. A friend of mine, and I'm not going to mention her name because we're still very close friends, but a friend of mine had breast reduction surgery when we were in our like early 20s, and mm-hmm. she called me one day and I was just hanging out at my buddy's house. She called me. She said, and this is not a girl that I ever, this is just a friend, right? Like we never even hooked up. Like it's just a friend. Mm-hmm. She called me. She said, uh, Hey, I don't think I told you, but I'm having breast reduction surgery tomorrow. And I said, Oh, well, good luck. You know, like, I don't know. What I, do, I, do you need somebody to pick you up or something? Like, why are you calling me about this? She said, well, do you want to see him before I have the surgery? And I was like, yes, of course I do. She said, okay, where are you? And I said, well, I'm at Matt's house. She said, I'll drive over. I was like, what? This is the nicest thing any human has ever done for me. That just drove to where I was so I could 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 say goodbye? You know, like, what a kind it's, gesture. I don't think that anyone's ever done anything as nice for me in my life. I don't think the answer to that question's ever been no. Imagine that phone like, call, right? I, I mean, I would sit here and tell you that I have seen many a pair of boobies. Right. I still want to see as many yeah, as this I possibly is, this can. Is, uh, was this a, was this Ron White? Who did, which of the the redneck comedy guys did this bit? 
Which of them? What, the booby bit? Yeah, the bit where they were like, uh, I don't care if you're an old lady. I'm going to take a look. I'll take a gander. Yeah. You said to me, yeah, I'll, I, I'll have a look. I have, <clears throat> we were at OddsFest. I, I may have told you the story where, uh, uh, system, not System of the Down. Um, God, who's saying let the bodies hit the floor? The, uh, Drown, drowning uh, Pool. Drowning Pool. Like Jeez. their their song had just went like number one or whatever. It was like extremely popular. And they were playing the small stage at OddsFest. And I remember I was like, hey, man, I want to see this band. I really like the songs they had out. And this is before the lead, obviously before the lead singer died. But um, so so we go over to see it, and there's this girl, like, on a guy's shoulder. She's a little, little plus-sized lady. Nothing okay. wrong with that, though. A little yes. extra cushion for the pushing. Yes. Yeah. So so long story short, um, she's, she's up on the guy's shoulders, and everybody's chanting, show your bleep, show your bleep. I've never seen this happen in my life except for this one time. She showed them. And it looked like a sock puppet and a, a banana and a tube sock. And they were pointing in different directions. We're totally different size. In unison, the crowd goes, put your shirt back oh, on. Like, he didn't no. talk about it. Like, oh, everybody jumped no. back aboard for the worst pair of boobs I've ever seen. No. Oh, that's not yeah. okay. That's not okay. Yeah. I, I, and my um, sister won't go to the concert with me anymore. Well, it's weird, right? So, like, you guys yeah. had such a good time. Otherwise, I mean, Drowning Pool was there. You make fun of her boobs, and, and that's it. One time, right? But you were like, but I still wanted to see him um the the moment for me i I've, i made this joke a lot i, I don't know if you ever the, like there was we went to an hf festival and i bumped into a the girl from high school that was like the quiet girl right like the girl that like no one ever talked to that didn't go to the parties you know what i mean like that yeah. you you knew but you kind of only knew you didn't dislike in any way like you just didn't you didn't know her at all like at all even a little bit because she was extraordinarily quiet at all times and you're like you're there with your friends, and my buddies and I were there. We're like, wow, that's you know so and so, the quiet, you know, the quiet girl. You see her over there, and she walks up, and immediately, I swear to God, within two seconds, like had ripped her shirt off and was like, put me up on your shoulders. And I'm like, wow, what's going on, oh quiet God. girl? <laughs> hey, I want to be Glenn's friend, right? Glenn gets to see movies all the time. Unbelievable, man. Well, that was you a know, much younger man, my friend. Much, yeah, much I mean, younger. I, man. I guess those things that can get difficult too, like. Uh, the you know as you're growing up and becoming an adult and i'm still very immature in a lot of things like some guy <laughs> some guy tagged me on twitter last night and he's like you know you're weirdly obsessed with i poop saw this i don't understand it Did you, you like started a fight about poop it was the weirdest thing ever and then you're like so you're obsessed with me being had... obsessed about poop yeah the, the other guy like there was a guy that had tweeted about someone probably wearing their boxer shorts backwards with the hole in the back or whatever you know and so, like, immediately my mind goes to, well, why would somebody do that unless it was the poop out of it? So I tweet it back at him and say, hey, I always did that because I thought you were supposed to poop out of that hole. It's way too big to take a penis out of or something. You know, like, so anyway, so then some guy immediately writes me. So then I immediately chirp back and try to have fun with it. But, you know, like, it's, it's, it, it, people are, it, I guess what a different dumb, strokes what a are different dumb, folks dumb than what you want to do, man. So what a dumb I don't know show. how I'm trying to wrap this up. Yeah, right. I don't know where to go from there, Jim. I don't yeah. No, it's. I, I, I think that was the appropriate response, though, for the record. I think that was the right thing. I think you handled that yeah. appropriately. Yeah, instead of like taking shots at one another. <sighs> All right, uh, we can talk about ConcreteLocks.com again, right? Yeah, so it's kind of cool, man. I've well, I can at least talk about it here and in other places and social media. But so yeah, ConcreteLocks.com. Um, I missed my first lock, which sucks, and I'm I'm angry. It was funny because I had a really good weekend Saturday and Sunday. Um, I think I was, 
Well, I lost Texas Tech, and if you watch the end of that game, it's brutal <laughs> as Texas Tech was winning the whole time. And then Oregon takes a one-point lead, and Texas Tech's going to win, and they turn the ball over, and it gets taken in for a touchdown. With oh, the oh, I had not seen yeah. that. Oh, Yeah, God. so that one was rough. That went from me being 4-1 and one in my top plays to being 3-2. and two. And I was 3-2 and two in my top plays on Saturday and Sunday, but I missed – you know, I loved Colorado, or I loved uh, Nebraska. Uh, and for anybody that watched Saturday, Nebraska was a pros pick. All the professionals were on Nebraska, and the public was all over Colorado. And doesn't happen often, but the public got it right this time. And uh, so, yeah, it was kind of a weird weekend where my favorite plays on both days missed, but overall I had a winning day. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. All right. Of course, uh, still the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. Uh, new Twitter yep. new Twitter handle I noticed as well, J-Con. Yeah, I had to switch up to at J-Con Sports. Um, for promotional things. Jcon Sports is how you follow him. And still, we'll be finding picks at PressBoxOnline.com as well, right? Yes. There you go. They'll be there as well. There you go. Love you, buddy. Let's talk again next Monday, all right? It's... All right, guys. I'll Thank see you, pal. It's Jeremy Kahn, uh, 105.7 The Fan, of The Big Bad Morning Show. All right, when we come back in, we will recap Picks Weekend, which it wasn't like the worst Picks Weekend I've ever had, but it was a week where everybody else did really well. Yeah. So... Not great for your boy. Get used to it. Not great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that a thing? Uh, not great for your boy who is dipped in. There was a big turnaround this week for one particular member of our crew. So we'll talk about that, and we'll dish out some pats on the ass when we come back in on Glenn Clark Radio. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland, and DriveEasyMD.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource, home to EasyPass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. DriveEasyMD.com will keep you moving. All aboard! The Orioles train keeps on moving, and it's ahead of schedule. The birds are motoring towards a playoff run here in 2023 as their magic number keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm Paul Valley, and you can find me along with Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here on the Bataround. We'll navigate you through the playoff push as the Orioles look to put an exclamation point on what is turning out to be the best season of the last 40 years. So join us on the Orioles train, and let's enjoy the ride together right here on the Bataround. Around. Visit Harford County this fall. Celebrate Arts Across Harford September 15th through the 30th with dance, theater, music, and visual arts. September 29th through October 1st is the largest Italian festival in Maryland, featuring entertainment, cooking demonstrations, a bocce tournament, and family fun. If you're headed to the Maryland Five Star, stay and play in Harford County. While you're there, enjoy the scenic views atop the king and queen seats and experience pumpkin patches, corn mazes, and fall brews along their Harford Life Trail. For more info, head to visit Harford.com. Maryland Open. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food? Check. Quality of service? Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka dives into what's next for Lamar Jackson after receiving one of the biggest contracts in football history. Is Lamar ready to take the Ravens to the next level, now with a new offensive coordinator and new wide receivers? Also inside, we look at what new football coaches Brian Newberry and Pete Shinnick bring to Navy and Towson, respectively. And we meet players from the college football and soccer programs around the state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the 
entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Serps at PressBoxOnline.com. Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. Last weekend of the regular season kicks off on Friday the 8th with Adley Rutschman Night. Mystery Adley Rutschman giveaway items for the first 750 fans. Fireworks on Saturday with the return of our 1K beer run. See how fast you can complete the race while getting three beers down. And our Birdland celebration on Sunday. Free autograph items for the first 1,000 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at BaySox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox. Let us be your nine-inning vacation. Six chicken tenders made from fresh, never-frozen Royal Farms world-famous chicken, a family-sized order of Western fries, honey mustard dipping sauce, and a two-liter bottle of Dr. Pepper. It's Royal Farms' new Tucker's Tenders Meal. It's Justin Tucker's favorite, and at only $19.99, it'll be your favorite meal, too. The new Tucker's Tenders Meal, available only at Royal Farms. Now you can kick back, relax, and eat like a champion. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Don't forget about Project Game Day after every Ravens game this season. It's kind of like this show, except Rita's also there, so I actually think it's pretty good. But hey, you're already here now, so why don't you go ahead and keep listening to GCR. I don't know who's writing these promos, but I got some serious issues with some of these things that Paul is saying. I appreciate uh, Paul providing us some new rejoiners for uh, the football season. All right, uh, let's get into it. Picks Recap is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Griffin, you want to tell us anything about what's going on over at Live Casino and Hotel? Yeah, I want to tell you about David's. Something new here at Live Casino Hotel, uh, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Check out David's new menu featuring barbecue ribs, strawberry cheesecake waffles, blue bay mussels, and of course, snow crab legs by the pound. Your perfect gin and tonic is just a shake away as you craft your perfect combo. And be sure to stay for live music every Thursday through Sunday. That's at David's at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Adirondo Mills must be 21. Please play responsibly for help. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. So we're doing this season-long picks contest. There's 10 of us. And at the top of the table, we're playing for some cash. Again, you all have till the end of week three. Then what happens? What? Then what happens? Then you're no longer in the running to win. Oh, okay. Like, okay, cool. you think that's just the way that it goes. So, like, if you don't get your money in, you can't win the money. But you still would have to pay the penalty if you lose. <laughs> Nobody gets out of that. The penalty, of course, this year is overwhelming. The penalty is you got to dress up like the Notre Dame mascot. You got to go take Irish dance lessons. A lesson. You have to take a lesson and then perform what it is that you learned at your lesson. You also have to perform musically, as you have to perform Nothing Compares to You and Zombie by the Cranberries. You also have to have um, a bit of an eating, a, a meal, if you will. That meal, tripe. Delicious. Haggis. Oh. And blood sausage. Ugh. Wash down. With an Irish coffee. Oh, that's not bad. Will Levis style. Oh. Yeah. Coffee oh, oh. and Irish coffee and mayonnaise. It's a lot. A lot that's gone into this punishment. It's going to be a terrible day for somebody. <laughs> I'm not that far off from being in that spot. Here's where we are this week. Picks. Um, yuck. Charlotte, Maryland. Maryland was 24 and a half point favorites. I did not get it. And boy, it was dicey for a half. Mm-hmm. 
games. If you did I mean, not watch the game, probably about as about as well off. There was not a whole lot to be seen. Ultimately, Maryland did get things going in the second half, but they fell behind 14-0 early and yeesh, took a little while to get going. Ultimately, they do win, and they ended up winning somewhat comfortably, but not covering the 24 and a half. So, uh, Paul Valley, John, Ryan Shell, John Proctor, Kyle Ottenheimer missed on that point. The good news for Ryan Shell is one of the very few that he missed out on. It was quite the turnaround week for uh, old Ryan. Yeah, Ryan needed that. Um, <laughs> as Jeremy said, the this felt like it was maybe reverse locky, Nebraska, Colorado, and all of the pros were on Nebraska in this one. By the way, all of these uh, all of these odds were provided by SuperBook. Of course, you can use the code GlennClark23, sign up at Superbook.com or download the Superbook app. And when you use that code, you make a same-day first bet up to $250. It will be matched, win or lose, with free bets. By the way, line is out for Ravens-Bengals. Bengals, three-and-a-half-point favorites. So if you're saying to yourself, huh, I wonder if that number might move if the Ravens get good injury news in the next couple of days, then maybe you try to get on it early. If you say to yourself, yeah, but it could move the other way if they get bad injury news. Just worth pointing out, early line, courtesy of Superbook, three-and-a-half-point favorites, the Cincinnati Bengals, for the Week 2 matchup out in Cincinnati. The total is 46-and-a-half. That's what we know so far. Anyway, the, uh, the number was three. Colorado backed it up. They handled their business once again against Nebraska, winning 36-14. to They'll get college game day next week. It's a brutal week three yeah. for um, college football. It's just not a lot just... of interesting matchups in week three. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State is interesting, I'm sure, within the state of Colorado, <laughs> but not a whole lot of other places, and yet that's where game day is going because the Colorado is just the story of college football to begin the college season. College football capital of the world is what they Sure, say. whatever you want to call it. Um, but yes, the only per only one of us was willing to bite. That was John and Little Rock. John and Little Rock Darn is John. now in, in last place. Ooh, Let's keep John. that in mind. Uh, a lot of us bid on Alabama. Yeah. Not only did they not cover the seven, of course, they did not win even outright. Texas looks legit. Alabama's quarterback problems also quite legit. 34-24. That was a slow game. That was like a game where nothing was happening for the first half of the game, and you were like, ugh. And then all of a sudden in the second half, Quinn Ewers came to life, and Texas put up a ton of points. Uh, got a pick 6-2 that uh, changed some things. So only Ryan Chell, Kyle Ottenheimer, and Ken Zalas come away with that mm. point. Uh, the Thursday night game, obviously. Um, eh, whatever. Yes, we already covered it. Kansas City was favored by four and a half. They lost outright, so I missed that point as did Nick Kelly, John Ke- uh, John and Little Rock, John Proctor, and Andrew Stecka. Cincinnati, Cleveland. Who saw that coming? That I mean, was really weird. What a weird day. Joe Burrow is one and five against the Browns. Go figure, man. Go figure. And it's you know it's obviously the weather stunk and Joe Burrow was coming off an injury, but like they did nothing. Nothing. Pull up Joe Burrow's line from yesterday real quick. 14 for 31. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 14 for 31, 82 yards. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, not did he throw an interception? In there? Uh, no. Deshaun Watson actually threw one His of the worst QBR. interceptions I've ever seen, and yet they won 24 to Yeah, that, that pick was horrible. Brutal. Looked over at red zone. And Brutal. They had a 20.4 QBR. Burrow did. 
Uh, Nick Kelly, John in Little Rock, and Kyle Ottenheimer, the only ones that were on Cleveland for that one, so they all get that point. Boy, Pittsburgh was really good. I pulled up the number. They were 14-4-3 under Mike Tomlin as home dogs. Mm. Got to hammer Pittsburgh, baby. No, they got hammered. Don't hammer them. They got hammered. Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk went off. San Francisco looked every bit the part of a Super Bowl favorite, winning 30-7 to on the road in Pittsburgh to open the season. So a point stolen by Ryan Schell, as well as Kyle Ottenheimer and Ken Zalitz. Uh, I will not be taking questions at this time about my bullishness about the Chicago Bears. I will go back. I will regroup. I will reconsider. I'm not ready to abandon altogether, but... Not great. They lose at home as the quarterback changes, but reality doesn't. They just get hammered by the Packers no matter what. Yeah. Always, always, always. The Packers just have another maybe, quarterback. Maybe, and that was without Christian Watson. Yeah, I know. That was that was when I, once Christian Watson was ruled out, I was like, great, yeah, the Bears yeah. are Bears are gonna. Yep. Thirty-eight to twenty, and it was a game that was again much like that Texas Alabama game. That was like a seven-six game into the second half, and you're just like, oh, this is a slog, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Green Bay was we were dogs and they went out right. Uh, that was pretty split. So Griffin, uh, of course, yeah, sure, of course. Nick Kelly, uh, J- Ryan Shell. Yeah, there's too many Andy people Stecka. now. It's harder I know, to right? It's harder to to do this. And we used to have a color coordinated system. Can you please talk to John? If you've got to do it, you've got to do it. But right. for like the All sake right. of on the air, like yeah. I knew they yeah. used to tell me what the final score of the game was at the bottom, so I could do the segment better, right? I just need you to talk to John, and I need you to do it like ASAP because I think he's flying to like Jamaica or something, no. uh, Mexico. He's going to Mexico for a wedding. Which is it? Oh. It's Mexico. I do know that Cancun or whatever. He's going to Cancun for a wedding this week, so I need you to talk to him ASAP about how you can take over to make it more palatable for doing the on-air segment because that okay. actually is producing. Moral of the story is half of us. We're on Chicago. Half of us were on Green Bay. Uh, only uh, the Lone Wolf picks did not work out for the Lone Wolves this no, week. Not. It was a bad week to be a Lone Wolf. All 0 for 3 on lone, uh, as far as Lone Wolves are concerned. Uh, Miami. Boy, I bet the Chargers aren't going to think about J.C. Jackson getting called for a pass interference on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Mm. I bet they'll never think mm. about that. If you didn't catch it, by the way, uh, Miami does in spectacular fashion. What a day for uh, Tua and Tyree Kill. They have a thing for week one in Miami, don't they? They look pretty good last year in week one here in Baltimore. They look really good offensively it in was, week well, one. It was week two, I guess. Last year? the When the Dolphins beat the, the Ravens? Ravens? Yeah. You sure that wasn't week one? Yeah, because week one was the Jets. Oh, and it was just un- it was completely forgettable in every way? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you know, and the reason why I think it was week one... I did week one by myself post-game last year. It was the first mm. time I did a show with Rita. It was the first show that we did, and it was... Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah so that, that Jets game, just everyone was like, yeah, uh, I mean, they yeah, won. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Great start to the season for Miami. 36-34, they beat the Chargers, and a thriller. Probably would have been a good game to put on national TV. Weird. Yeah. Weird how that works. Uh, instead, they put it on uh, for nobody. But I found out yesterday I still have Red Zone. Oh, this is a one of those uh, sort of things. Uh, the NFL hooked me up with an NFL, NFL Plus subscription for free. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was – wow. by the way, I'm pretty sure it's because For what? Of, <laughs> true story. I think it's because of Rod Woodson. So when Rod Woodson – his episode of A Football Life oh. was coming on. Oh, because – We had um, 
Rod was coming on the show that week, and so I messaged a friend of mine with the NFL and said, hey, just wondering if there's any chance I could screen um, the Football Life episode before I talk to Rod. And this this person was like, actually, I can hook you up with a free subscription to NFL Plus. And I was like, hey, buddy, thank you. That's very <laughs> nice of you. <laughs> then I was like, I'm not going to use that. What would I use that for? Apparently, I get Red Zone for free. Wow. So great news for your pal. <laughs> really good news. So I don't have to worry about all your stupid you know, television windows any longer. I can just watch Red Zone when the game is dumb. So that's what I did uh, yesterday, and uh, I got to see a lot of the Chargers-Dolphins game, which I enjoyed. The only person that was on the Chargers was Paul Valley. He misses out on that. And then for some reason, Andrew Stecka was on the Texans, and that was obviously a miss as well. And by the way, if you missed it, at, at halftime, the Dolphins threw a Hail Mary down the field. It yes. wasn't even close to the end yes, zone. Yes, I, I just watched it. It wasn't even close to the end zone. And J.C. Jackson, I don't remember who he pushed down, but he just pushed someone down. Now, the awkward part, and I said this on Twitter afterwards, is if I were to offend J.C. Jackson because he was getting killed, no one has ever called anything on a Hail Mary. Hail Marys at the end of halves, you have forever been able to get away with anything that you wanted in those circumstances. Now, admittedly, that's definitely pass interference. There's no getting or it's But they weren't gonna do anything. Yeah, right. It, it's it's that awkward thing where like, yeah, for, for something that obvious and blatant, it probably should be called. But again, go back and watch every Hail Mary attempt for the last fifty years and tell me how many times there has been obvious contact that would rise to being the level of pass interference by the letter of the law that we've just agreed we don't call because it's a Hail Mary, it's a jump ball, whatever happens, happens. So it's an awkward spot to be in. But they lost by two. And they gave up three free points at the end of the first half. Bit awkward. Bit awkward. Ravens comfortably uh, win 25-9, to nine, even if it wasn't pretty, so they covered the 10 points. Only Andrew Stecka missed that. So for the week... Worst week belonged to Paul Valley at three and six, as well as John Proctor at three and six. Mm. Best week belonged to Ken Zalis, who was already leading the race, and he went eight and one. Joined at seven and two by Kyle Ottenheimer and Ryan Chell. Big turnaround. Griffin and Nick Kelly both go six and three. Uh, I went four and five along with Andrew Stecka ugh, and John in Little Rock. Andrew Stecka returns to earth, it seems. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now, 13 and six, the top table, Ken Zalis. Two games back, Griffin and Kyle Ottenheimer. Three games back, Andrew Stecka and Nick Kelly. Five games back, eek. <laughs> Myself, Paul Valley, and Ryan Chell. I'm tied with Ryan Chell. Three games under. Not good. Yeah. And then uh, uh, John Proctor and John the in Johns. Little Rock. The Johns struggling. They're bringing up back end as they are tied in last place, 7-12, and 12, six games back in our picks contest. Let's quickly do uh, a recap. or uh, Let's quickly do uh, Pats on the Ass. Let's do that. Pats on the Ass brought to you this morning by the print issue of PressBox, which is available for free. At your neighborhood, Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. Bo Smolka's cover story about Lamar Jackson now moving into the contract portion of his career. That's a great read. A lot of college football content in there as well. Go pick it up today for free at your neighborhood, Royal Farms. Oh, did you see what happened to Morgan this weekend? They were going to beat I did. Akron. Oh, yeah. They were going to beat Akron on the road, beat an FBS team. I didn't see, like, the very end. But and I then know. fumbled. 
fumbled the ball. All they had to do was run run the ball. They needed like one first down, fumbled, picked up, ran back for a touchdown. Oh, man. Sucks so much. Man. Now, still a statement from Morgan that yeah. they followed up a road win at Richmond with a great defensive performance. Their defense is unbelievable. I forgot that Jordan Tolles ended up back there. Jordan Tolles, who once upon a time was at LSU back at Morgan State. Um, their defense looks incredible, but that was heartbreaking for them. Tough one for Towson. They lose to Monmouth on Saturday. Navy does get in the win column, but it was against Wagner, and it wasn't a very impressive performance. They got a much tougher game on Thursday night there at Memphis. So big step up in competition there. All right, Pats on the ass. You know the drill. Five Ravens, two must be offensive players, two must be defensive players. The fifth can be another offensive player, another defensive player, a special teams player, or a coach. Rank them five to one with number one being your man of the match. I'll begin my number five. It was difficult. There was a lot of people I consider for number five. Odell, obviously, I consider for number five. But it was tough to get a second offensive player on the list because it it wasn't. Like you, I, a lot of people put Justice Hill on their list. God bless. He ran for one yard per carry yesterday. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? I understand he was the guy that touchdowns. ran the touchdowns in. He ran for one yard per carry yesterday. I I can't pretend like Justice Hill was worthy of being on this list. Kevin Zeitler ended up being my choice mm. in large part because he was the one that pounced on the fumble from Lamar Jackson and kept him alive. I also thought he was. The one guy on the offensive line that, for the most part, held up yesterday and was not quite as guilty as some other parties were of uh, a lot of issues during yeah. the course of the game. So Kevin Zeitler, by by a nose, got that spot for me over Odell Beckham, who was the next in consideration. I went offensive line too because, and I went a different guy um, that I thought. I thought Tyler Linderbaum looked pretty good for for yeah. you know, for what was a lot of issues with the offensive I, line, I think especially my, early. I think my problem is when there's so many pre-snap pe- penalties. You think the, it's the center? Same. It's mm-hmm. not that necessarily the center is you know the one committing the penalties as much as the center is typically the one that's supposed to handle like all pre-snap communications and things like that. So I can't absolve him when there's a lot of pre-snap penalties. Gotcha. Since he wasn't penalized, that's why I did lean I towards understand him, that. and I thought he looked good when I was when I was looking at when I was watching how his battles. So I went Linderbaum. Uh, my number four is Patrick Queen, who was excellent, and and you know, as we talked about earlier in the show, is just unfortunately continuing to seemingly price himself out of Baltimore. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is some world where they can pay a lot of money to Patrick Queen after paying a lot of money to Roquan Smith, but I don't think so, and it looks like Patrick Queen is setting up to make a lot of money. He was awesome yesterday, finished with 11 tackles, a sack, a TFL, a pass breakup, and a quarterback hit. But other than that... Yeah, the pass breakup was pretty big. Um, yeah, it was pretty big. So, I, so I, gave, I gave him some props that I haven't even higher on my list. Oh, how about that? Yeah. So what a world. Four, what yeah. a world. <laughs> What's at going on four. here? Is hell freezing over? I was ready for Griffin to be like, yeah, I don't know. He was okay. Um, I mean, the sack, he was untouched. I mean, like, you know, I could have made, made that sack. Jesus but the pass Christ. breakup was impressive, it and, was. you know, he was good. Um, Ronald Darby is my number four. Okay. I mean, like, it's th- fine. We had, this was the secondary we had so many questions about. And, I mean, I know it was the Texans. Too many, um, too many guys played well defensively for me to consider Ronald Darby. Yeah, Somebody I was put, thinking uh, Ardarius Washington. Yeah, a couple people put Ardarius Washington yeah. on their list. I'm like, yeah, too many guys played well for me to go with, like, the – 
based on our expectations list. Right. Uh, I, I think it gives us hope for next week going into Cincinnati and, you know, the receivers that they have. Okay, um, I'll let you have that hope. I mean, if Nico Collins and the ghost of Robert Woods were running circles around this secondary, then... Well, yeah, you'd feel like hell. But they did what they... I think they did what they were supposed to do against an inferior uh, wide receiving... off. Uh, I actually thought that Robert Woods played well yesterday. Yes, he did. And, I like, mean, it made me think, like, again, when I, in the picture of me thinking that Houston could be building to something... It's like Robert Woods maybe is a nice player for them to have for this season in that process. Mm, yeah. uh, my number three, uh, I thought it was his best day as a pro. It was Adafi Owe. Um, he was great. And, yes, it didn't show up in sacks. Like that's they got, But as a team, they got five sacks. And the number that jumps off the page for Adafi Owe is three quarterback hits. Adafi Owe yeah. was active throughout the course of the day, was involved, was very helpful against the run. I thought Adafi Owe played his most complete. Now, again, I'll, I'll acknowledge I'm not paying attention to Adafi Owe on every snap every game, but it was the most beyond just the one play that he made against Kansas City that Adafi Owe has ever jumped off the page for me. So Adafi Owe was my number three. Well, PFF gave him four total QB hits. Four, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Seven total pressures. The pressure. official stat book has him with three. Mm. Um, and then, so Queen was my three. If you want me to, you want to jump to two? No, I'll go to number two next. Okay. Number two to me, uh, number two and number one were the easy ones for me. Um, number two is a Flowers, who, again, like the only thing I'll say is like you can't always just throw the ball underneath Zay Flowers. You're gonna have to, like, I started to get a little bit wary of it at some point. Like, ooh, this feels like a crutch, but we get it, we see it, and you know the catch downfield to the left. That one was Lamar's best throw of the day by far, and we saw that he has a little bit more in his arsenal than just being that underneath guy. You hope that more of the underneath portion of the field is open with Mark Andrews coming back in the next couple of weeks. But hard not to like what you saw from Zay Flowers. He was number two. Yeah, sounds like we're probably going to have our switched. I put Roquan at two. <laughs> okay. I mean, Roquan. God bless. Maybe it's a made-up record, but franchise record for week one total tackles. 16. Yeah, I mean, I don't care about that yeah. at all. I just know that he was but, the most dominant player on the field yeah, by far. Uh, I agree. I mean, you know, he's getting paid $20 million. million. He better, I understand he better look that, like that, but he, that's what he was. Yeah, he was. So. He was the most dominant player on the field. So two for me for Roquan. So stupid. That's so stupid. Roquan Smith was the best player. He he absolutely dominated the football field. He was a commanding presence at all times. He looked like a guy that was ready to take on the role of the pass rush by himself. Like, oh, he didn't do anything in pass rush? No worries. I'll just handle that too. God, he was unbelievable, man. Like, it's unreal how good this cat is. I, I... To me, it felt like the story was Zay Flowers, and you know the, this is this that is a position that the Ravens are so. God bless you. If if it was big downfield throws and him stretching the field that way, I may have be more inclined to consider it. And I would also have to be partnered with like the offense as a whole playing better. The offense didn't have a good day yesterday. Yeah, I mean Lamar threw. I know a lot of it was probably scripted this way, but twenty two passes, t- he was targeted ten times. I Zay understand Flowers that, was. and so, again, that's why to me it's it actually teetered into crutch territory Mm -hmm. teetered into you can't just throw the ball in the flat to zay flowers all the time and what i'm worried about is that like that becomes part of the plan for how you make up for the loss of jk dobbins is just keep throwing the ball in the flat to zay flowers it is weird but i feel i feel like i feel better about this even more than marquise brown even though he started really strong too because it just feels different you know like i mean kind of knew i feel like we kind of knew different way of using a player yeah well, I mean, he I mean, he was so dynamic. Like, you, he, they used him, and they went d- downfield with him. They mm-hmm. used him, you know, as an extension of the run game, and I think that's going to be important for 
all year. Like that's that's gonna be. His. I, I will always prefer seeing more plays downfield right. in a passing right. game because I don't think you're gonna win a lot of games with when they matter doing this little downfield. Which isn't to say they didn't do anything downfield. Mm-hmm. I understand that it's not. I was looking at the pass chart earlier and like uh, it'd be wrong. The, the big Odell catch and then Zay had that big catch. Right. And, and the one in the middle like, of the field to Rashad Bateman. And they only, I mean, again, they only threw it 22 times. Like, they weren't even... I understand yeah. that. But I, I'm always going to want to see an offense, to me, has to be predicated on downfield throwing to win in the NFL in 2023. And and I think Zay showed that he can... I think he showed he's yeah. capable of being a part of that. And I like the things that Zay Flowers brings to the table. But I'm not going to come out of it and say, oh, this is going to make it a wildly different offense, or this is why the Ravens are going to be so different. I need to see the next element of it, but still incorporating that moving forward. That being said, for the game that was played, he was the second best player on the field to me. Like, I, they put the ball in his hands a lot, and he did some good things. So it's not me being discouraged by it, but I would disagree. I was far more encouraged after Marquise Brown's first game than I was yeah, I mean, after this game because, like, when you numbers go, are – It's not just the numbers. It's downfield. It's stretching the field. It's opening things up in ways that, like – that's indefensible. I hope that that proves to be the case with Zay Smith or Zay Smith. I just made up a new player. Roquan, Roquan Flowers. Yeah, it's Roquan Flowers. With um, Zay Flowers, I hope that's the case. I didn't even say Zay Jones, which is what everybody else is saying. I hope that proves to be the case with Zay Flowers. I am, I'm, I'm using moderation in how I react to what I saw from him first. Yeah. It was good. I, it's it was hard a for good, me. It was a good day. I hope there's a lot more of that coming, and I hope it's not just all in the flat. I hope that it is more imaginative with the ability. One of the things we talked about is the stuff in the flat to me is what you do to try to get the offense going. When you're bogged down, you say, hey, what we want to do isn't working. We just need to get the ball in Zay Flowers' hands and see if he can go get some yards. That not that to me isn't what you design for a game. Now, if the design was, but we want to get him going mm-hmm. as an NFL player in his debut – completely understand that but i wouldn't want to design scripts based on that being a part of the first 20 to 30 plays that i write out for the day that to me is what you do when what you're trying to do isn't working then you come back and say all right it's time to start throwing the ball to zay in the flat and see see what happens there jimison so. hensley had this earlier most rece- most receptions in a career debut by a ravens player nine zay flowers how about that how about that all right, very good. Those are Pats on the ass. We will get them up at glennclarkradio.com here momentarily. Um, how pressing is Tidbit? Uh, I mean, I guess it's not that pressing. Like, would it still be good tomorrow? Yeah. I okay. Mean, yeah, it's just NFL Week 1 stuff, so probably all week. Okay, let's yeah. let's hold it. It's 1232. Let's hold it for tomorrow, all right? Like, I know we joked about being on until 4 o'clock, but let's try to not. Let's hold Tidbit for tomorrow. And we'll get into Tubular. Tubular is brought to you by, unless you're going to be very hurt by it. I don't um, want to no, hurt your so feelings. I'll, I'll do the quick one. Nick Saban, his first double-digit home loss as a college football head coach since he was at LSU in 2003 when Florida beat LSU 19-7. to That was over 7,000 days ago. Wow. Wow. That is kind of wild. All right. Very good. Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and by a Toyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Uh, Cardinals-Orioles, 630 on Masson, Dakota Hudson, and Dean Kramer, the pitching matchup for the series opener. Do we know if Drew Rahm is pitching this I week? believe he should be pitching on Wednesday. How about that? I think. Of course, John means pitching tomorrow. We'll talk more. I, I, that's not a lot for me to say. Like, they won the series. That's good. They gave up 23 hits and won a game, which is wild. Um, I'm worried about Grayson Rodriguez because he's one of the guys that you can count on, and you sure as f can't count on Jack Flaherty, and none of us are really counting on count. Like this is, and so now John Means goes under a microscope like immediately. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's borderline miraculous that he's even pitching, and we're immediately like, hey, by the way, dude, we're also going to need you to May be 2021. Yeah, really good, really quickly. It's rough. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's tonight, 6:30, the opener. Loyola Soccer's at Fordham at 4 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Of course, Monday Night Football tonight, Bills-Jets, 8-15 on both ABC and ESPN, and there is a Manning cast if that's what floats your boat. Of course it does. Sure. Baseball this afternoon, Braves-Phillies, 1 o'clock on MLB Network. Yankees-Red Sox at 7. Nice to see those teams get some attention. Padres-Dodgers tonight at 10. Masson 2, Nationals-Pirates at 6.30. MLB TV, Athletics-Astros at 8. ESPN Plus also has Cubs-Rockies at 8.40. The USA Network for WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? No. Okay. That's where the we The Halloween uh, Baking Championship, Season 9 on the Food Network. Can't miss that. Can't miss that. That's where we are. All right. Thanks today to Dr. David Chow. Thanks to Rod Woodson. Thanks to Aditi Kinkabwala. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. Tab at glennclarkradio.com. Tomorrow, uh, Michael Lombardi is scheduled to join us tomorrow. Of course, you now know him from VEASAN, former uh, NFL executive. He's got a new book out. to tell us all about that. I was supposed to do some reading over the weekend and uh, forgot to do the homework, so I'm going to be stressed tonight. But I'll squeeze in as much reading as I can this evening. You won't, be, you won't be able to watch the Manning cast, I guess. Ah, oh, God, that'll be a real shame. Tonight's also supposed to be trivia night. Oh, oh. I might be. I might have to bail on trivia tonight. Oh, that would suck. Just bring the book, right? And just... I really have to do the homework. <laughs> it's bad. All right. Uh, also, also tomorrow, what, uh, uh, Todd Blackledge. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Joe Serpico will get us ready for waiver wire Wednesday. We'll talk about the Ravens running back situation. And Todd Blackledge from NBC, he, of course, had the call for Maryland Charlotte on Saturday night. So we'll talk to him about what he saw from the Terps. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, the Maryland Five Star, Glory Days Grill, Dorchester County, the Bowie Bay Sox, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Superbook, Sports, the Bur- Baltimore Orioles, Birdland Sports, Easy Pass MD, Harford County, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks.